What a beautiful day sitting here in New York all by myself on the corner, waiting for a friend to talk to. Oh. Oh. Hey! Hey, Johnny! Hey, Johnny, it's Vinny! Hey, Vinny. How you doing, man? I haven't seen you in, like, forever. It's been a long time. Hey, man, I heard your sister got married. Yeah, she married that Irish Mick kid from 54th Street. Shut up! I gotta be honest with you, Johnny. I always had a crush on your sister. You had a crush on my sister? Yeah, always had a crush, but she paid me no mind. Can I ask you a question, Johnny? Do I look like a boyfriend type? You look like boyfriend type. I think sometimes, Vinny, it's the way you approach women. It's, it's a tad bit aggressive. Aggressive? I never heard that. Yeah, just a little bit. Like, oh, look, look, here come some girls around the corner right now. Let me talk to them. You as my friend, tell me what I'm doing wrong. Okay, I'll do that for you, Vinny. Hey, 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 ladies. You both are beautiful ladies. How about you take turns sucking my dick until I come, and if one of you don't swallow it, I'm fucking out of there. Where are they going? I told you, man, I think uh, that kind of language ladies don't like to be talked to like that. They don't like being talked like that? No, it's a little aggressive, man. What do you think they want? They want romanticism. They want the man of their dreams. You gotta you gotta soft sell it a little more, Vinny. Uh, okay. Here, let me try this lady right here. She's coming down with the blue dress. Hey, hey, beautiful. I'm your knight in shining armor, and I'm waiting for you to undo this armor and suck my dick. And if you don't swallow it, I'm putting the armor back on, get on my horse, and getting the fuck out. Where's she going, Johnny? I told you, man. Eh, I think that's a little aggressive. Ooh, you tell me how to do it. Okay, I mean, I'm no pro or nothing, but I think it's something like this. Like, here, see this girl coming up? Watch, watch. Hey, hey excuse me, ma'am. I, I think you're beautiful, and I'd love to take you on a date. Bert Kreischer's playing at the Wilbur Theater January 21st. Would you be interested in going with me? I would love to go to Bert Kreischer, but I can't do the 21st. Does he have any other tour dates? As a matter of fact, he does. December 8th, 9th, and 10th, he's at Morty's in Indianapolis. The 15th, 16th, 17th, Fort Lauderdale Improv. The 29th, 30th, 31st, this guy's doing New Year's Eve at Levity in Oxnard. And you're never going to believe this. He just added the Stress Factory January 5th, 6th, and 7th right around the corner in New Jersey. American Comedy Company, the Wilbur on the 21st, which you already said you cannot do. But listen, if you want, we can go around the corner to this internet cafe, hit up his website, burrburrburr.com, and see if there's a tour date that me and you can get our schedules to mash up on. That sounds beautiful. Here, take my hand. Take me to the internet cafe. All right. Let me say goodbye to my buddy Vinny real quick. Vinny, listen, I ain't no pro, but I got to leave with this lady. She's gorgeous, and we're going to see Bert Kreischer. I'll tell you what. That was pretty impressive. Hey, 
Don't forget. She's got to suck your dick and swallow it. And if she don't, you get the fuck out of there. I got you, brother. Thank you very much. Hey, do me a favor. Can you introduce the podcast? Of course I can introduce the podcast. You have a good day. Oh, wow. That was amazing. Maybe one day that will happen for me. Anyway, today's podcast is fantastic. This comic had a podcast where he smoked DMT on it with Shane Moss and it blew a fucking mind. No joke. It's all about the paranormal. And this podcast is good. They hit it off hardcore right off the bat. It gets fucking weird. And it's literally two and a half hours of nonstop laughter. Ladies and gentlemen, comedian Ryan Singer. Hey, hey ladies. I have a proposition for you. Do you want to... Okay, never mind. Okay, I This is... They're literally, they stopped selling them at uh, Gelson's across the street. And so I, f- I didn't know what to do with myself. And then I was, I was somewhere, I was at uh, Ralph's and it was, and I saw them and I bought every single one of them and I was, and now my fucking fridge is stocked with them. <laughs> <Are> you- <laughs> <laughs> I'm, obs- I'm a little obsessive compulsive. You know uh, what it is? I like, I like rituals. Yeah. I, I really like rituals. Um, I think the older I get, the more I realize it. Like kind of really groove into something. I like I, I like getting up. I like putting on workout pants, workout shoes, and getting ready to work out. Even though I'm probably not going to work out at all. Yeah. <laughs> but I like the ritual of that. I the the my problem right now is I feel like I have a I have a ritual of getting up and then looking at Twitter, looking at Facebook, looking at Instagram. And I think it's fucking cannibalizing my my individuality or something. I think uh, it's not healthy. Like how long do you think that lasts? Like, does that go into like a half hour cycle at least? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And, but it's the first thing I do when I wake up and I'm like, that can't be good. It gets a, it gets the brain fired like yeah. in a way that I guess coffee doesn't really do it. But like, I do know what you mean. I had to, t- I took, I took everything off my phone except for Instagram and that's helped. I think, I think, I think social media in general is I just I don't find it. I, my, by the way, this is what drives me nuts about my wife. I don't t- try to try to. I've, I can't really pinpoint this. I've tried to talk about it on stage. It just sounds misogynistic. She has no respect for anyone's fear of a big dog. Like as a man, I understand confrontation differently than she does. Yeah. So I respect the fact that people are afraid of that dog. All the guys that are working on the house right now were in renovation. They they all grew up in Mexico, so they've all been attacked by dogs. Because that's very common in Mexico. She has no respect for it. She just almost, it's almost like she enjoys it. She enjoys watching them be afraid. I, I like, think I, it likes, it provides maybe a sense of like, oh, this dog is good for the house. I have no, I, I think, I think, honestly, and this is where it comes misogynistic. I think that I've noticed that a lot of women do that. Like a lot of women that re- like adopt pit bulls are unaware that they have a fucking killer on the end of their leash because they adopted them. And I think that it has something to do with the fact that as a man, you always have almost like a sense of protection protection. And with a woman for so many years, you walked around without a sense of protection that it's nice to flex a big dick every now and then. Yeah, sure. I, I, I don't know. I can't really figure it out. And I don't like that. It comes out f- almost like, negative towards women in general because it's obviously once you say yes all to everything you're wrong but i can't fucking figure it out she's they're working in her backyard and she's got letting the dog roam around and the dog's fucking i that, don't know that dog's a solid 195 i'm guessing no 130 130 <laughs> yeah the uh well what drives me crazy is when people at the park 
like on trails and mountains. I go there's a, I live in Glendale, so Brand Park in Glendale. I, I hike that mountain all the time. Those trails, and there are people with huge dogs like off leash. It's like you can't go. You know Jonigan, right? Yeah, Jonigan oh, is terrified of terrified fucking dogs. dogs. We were hiking that mountain once. It was a while ago, and then boom, just coming down the trail is a loose dog, like a big ass dog. Yeah, and Jonigan freezes. He fucking. Did you, did you hear his story about why he's afraid of dogs? No, I never. He. He didn't tell me the story that day. Finish your story. But I'm guessing I'll... it's an attack, right, or something. And, uh, and you know, because we know where he grew up, too. Like, yeah. So it's like uh, – and then one time a dog just like – I don't know if it was half blind or something, but a dog ran into me. Like I've never had that happen where a dog just kind of like a clumsy <laughs> dog from behind me. I'm just on the trail by myself and all of a sudden like – Right by your, like, you know, reverse kneecap. Like, I'm like, I thought a friend came up and, like, did that thing where they yeah. come and do the thing. And I'm like, what the fuck? And it's just a little dumb, like, it's like a lab that was just like, Ooh, you know. I'm just, what the fuck is going on? But then the owner was just there, like, later, a couple minutes later, just like, hey. I'm like, not hey, bro. Yeah. You got a dog off a leash and there's people scared of dogs. It's 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 the thing I never liked working with animals. I, I, uh, I tamed lions. I... Uh, works with white tigers. I've done everything with animals. Geese. Geese are fucking terrifying. I was in, uh, I was a suspended upside down in a straitjacket and had to get out of a straitjacket and they had a, a pen of geese. And what happens is the geese bite you and it fucking hurts. So they lower you into the pen of geese. Um, but you can never rationalize with an animal when you're doing television and go, hey, let's take this one at 50% and like get the <laughs> shot, you know, like get coverage. And then we'll do a loose one, a crazy one where you go nuts and it yeah, scares yeah. us all a little bit. <laughs> I was telling someone I got I had a monkey I had a chimpanzee hop up on my shoulders I was shooting something for Spike years ago and we were playing video games I was playing video games with a chimpanzee and the chimp just out of nowhere hopped up on my shoulders wrapped its legs around my neck and grabbed my ears and everyone started laughing except for the fucking trainer who was like okay okay no one make any moves but I'm hamming it up from the camera I don't even realize we get he gets it off me. But I remember there was a moment where I felt the chimp lock in, like, hold on. And I was like, "Woo, this thing's a lot stronger than I anticipated. And the trainer was like, oh, that could have been really bad. That you were almost that lady who had her face ripped off. That's what they do. They bite off your face, your fingers, and your genitals. Yeah. I mean, that's like the smart – I mean, they're like smart. Like, I mean, because they know like this is how I this is how I really disable you. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't see me. You can't smell me. And you can't fuck me. <laughs> if you bite off my genitals, you might as well kill me. <laughs> so what happened with John again? Oh, so – he told it on my, to me on my podcast. By the way, this is what I love about Tommy is that he's not – I say this lovingly. Tommy is great on radio. Like he's good at radio. Oh, yeah. People don't – I was on in Tampa. They love him in radio. They go, he doesn't do bits. I go, he's totally doing bits. He just slides them past you. Oh, yeah. He's old school professional. I call him, the, uh, I call him Tommy Gunn because yeah. I've known him since – I mean I grew up in uh, southern Ohio. So like when he was in St. Louis still and uh, – and I'm just like, I remember watching him on stage because he's like so different than me that I, I love that. You yeah. Know? And it's just like, and I was just like, oh man, he's just blasting bullets a, a bit. And it's just, and he's the same way on radio. He's the best. He's the best. But when he does a podcast, he doesn't, so, I mean, I say, I say this like kindly. I don't think he totally understands the format of like, sometimes he'll tell secrets that you go. Like, you're like, that's a really intense secret. How come you don't talk about that on stage? He goes, oh, I tell nobody that. I'd never tell anyone that. <laughs> and you're like, oh, you just told 250,000 people <laughs> what? about your fucking... Well, it's just me and you talking. Yeah, yeah. He got attacked by a dog, and uh, 
his dad's rationale for him to get over it was to get a BB gun, drive by the dog, and Tommy to shoot it a bunch. And so Tommy was like, it really fucked me up. <laughs> Holy wow. Yeah. I could see why. Yeah, and he was like, you know, I and then I felt like I was cruel to this animal, but I, I like it. So he just does not like dogs. He's a, he's a really – I saw – I met him. This is – I almost wish the road was still like this, you know, or I wish I appreciated it more. I don't know, but like I worked with him at Penguins. Do you ever work Penguins? I haven't done the one. Uh, was it the one in like Des Moines or uh, – There was one in like Cedar, Cedar Rapids. Rapids. Yeah. You'd get out and it smelled like oatmeal. <laughs> do you remember that? I, I did a show. I did a, like a random gig in Des Moines, like in January, which was the worst time to go through. Oh, I love it. That's when I love it. Oh, you love oh, it? That's, oh, my God. I, I want, almost like want my routing in the big snow cities um, when, in in the winter. Oh, I mean, like I, we're opposites in that way. I mean, just because I can't handle the snow, man. Really? But you got, Dayton is, gets snow, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like the winter would last about, it felt like seven months. Really? I mean, not snow the whole time necessarily, but it would just be cold. Like, you know, CD case, scraping ice off your windshield in the beginning of May. It's like, oh, what am I doing here? I have no, like, I grew up in Florida. So, like, our, it's interesting. You're, you're, uh, you know, I think people from Florida keep their mouth shut about their life because they're a little nervous that everyone's going to judge them. Yeah. But like, I was in Tampa this past weekend, and I was saying things about how we grew up. And it was like... There's nowhere else in the world you could ever share these moments of like, no, like everyone goes, oh, water skiing must be fun. You're like, yeah, until you fall and you're on the hunt for gators because you're like, where the fuck are the oh. gators? And you pull your legs up. And you're like, get me quick. Get me quick. Dude, I don't mess with dinosaurs. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mess with dinosaurs, dude. If there's di- like if there's gators around or something like that, that looks like an old school, like we roam the earth and we can live. Someone told me, oh, wait, no, I just saw this. Alligators or crocodiles can live forever if they're not messed with, if their environment's not messed with. They what? never will die. Now, okay, we might need someone will probably want to fact check this. <laughs> oh, I love but, this. But, like, I'm telling you, like, when it comes to octopus, uh, the octopi or whatever, uh, yeah. however you say, like, that, how they're finding this DNA that is, like, alien and not of Earth and octopus. Uh, and then you've got alligators who will, or, or there's a certain breed of them. Or- Dude, octopus, is octopus is the ones that have the video where they turn into the rock? I think so. Yeah, yeah, that's fucking. Well, insane. they can rearrange their DNA, at like this, at like the code level or the sequence. People are eating these aliens, dude. Like they're eating them for at like sushi restaurants and stuff. And I love sushi, yeah. but like I will never eat octopus again. They're like incredibly oh. intel. Did you see Arrival yet? That movie? No. It's about uh, aliens. It just, yeah. It's in the theaters now. I, I won't do any spoilers, but I just watched it yesterday. You're, you love. Uh, the supernatural. Oh, I'm totally into the supernatural and all That's, the mystical. Your all podcast is. Your, I told you the podcast you did with uh, what's his name is one of my favorites ever. Oh, Shane, the shaman of uh, I the can't, comedic shaman. I mean, I cannot. I've you know I've talked about that on on probably a dozen radio shows and probably a dozen podcasts. That was one like it's you know Duncan Trussell one time one time told me if you're not taking chances doing your podcast then you're not doing it right. He was like, look at David Letterman. Nothing against David Letterman, massive fan, but he goes, he never grew. For so the reason he stopped doing it is he never grew. He was the same guy for forty years or thirty years. He was like, I like to, I like to, yeah, I like to grow. <laughs> and I was like, that's an interesting idea. And then I had Shane on, and he told me about it. And I was driving through, I was driving through Ohio, oddly enough, and I was in a car and I listened to it. I've never been more riveted, more engaged, more more uh, anxious, more curious like it's one of the greatest 
moments in podcasting ever. Like, oh, ever. wow. I appreciate you saying that. I mean, it was like terrifying, you know, going through it because I was scared, you know, beyond my. I mean, I don't well, know. Tell everyone that doesn't know what. what well, what happened was I was in uh, St. Paul uh, at the joke, working the joke. Oh, you, were, you weren't even at home? No. I was at. Uh, oh, fucking I was shame. in the comedy condo in St. Paul. Which was above at the time, which was above the owner of the clubs, their their condo where they had their kids. You could hear their kids running around during the day. You're upstairs and like a it's like a townhouse situation, but separate, you know. And uh, so uh, I've been putting it out for like a year. Like I'm going to do DMT. I'm going to do DMT. But knowing full well, like I'm scared to death that this is actually going to happen. Now, how are you with drugs? Um, I'm not a big tripper, but I've been doing drugs since I was like, I don't know. When I was a sophomore in high school, my best friend discovered a freezer full of weed that his dad was growing on their farm. Oh, wow. Right? So we smoked free weed for the next two and a half years. Oh, that's going to be nice. It was great. And the first time I ever smoked weed, I swear to God, I saw a circle of moving lights in the sky, like stars. But like, um, and then I got to college. My first day of college, the kid across the hall from me had Bowling Green State University. We're introducing ourselves in the dorm, that situation. Yeah. And I was like, oh, what are you here to do? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, I'm here to take over the family business. I was like, oh, so you're going to business, studying business? He goes, no, my brother is the biggest drug dealer on campus. He's a junior. I'm here to inherit the business. And I was just like, oh. He's like, you want to smoke weed? I was like, okay. So we go smoke weed in a field. I made him laugh. So he makes a deal with me. He says, he's like, here's the deal. You can have free weed. For as long as you want, but under one condition. Whenever I want you to smoke with me, you have to smoke, regardless of what you're doing. You have to stop doing it and come smoke with me because you're. this was great. I got so high, I think I acted out like what it was like when Noah first found land on the ark and everybody thought he was eating the mushrooms off the cow shit again. (laughs) That's all I remember. I remember climbing on a fence and like just, I was so high. And then um, I was like, okay, deal. I remember he woke me up in the middle of the night, like 4.30 in the morning. Sometimes he'd bang on my door. Um, He actually showed up in the hallway outside of one of my lecture classes once and just got my attention and just did gave me the finger. So I just picked up my shit and walked out of class. Um, I mean, it wasn't a class where, like, there's 15 students. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I look like a crazy person just kind of, you know, being activated. You know, like MK Ultra or some shit. <laughs> you know, but uh, and then one day driving to a dog track with a bunch of uh, my buddies. I love dog tracks. Oh man, I I know they're really horribly inhumane, but, but man, like, I used to love we, going. Whenever to we them. would go to vacation in Florida, we'd always go. Oh, dude, I just was there the other day, and I was like, I should stop by the dog track. But yeah, it's really horribly inhumane. But keep yeah, going. but I it's me. It's I love gambling so much. Oh, so yeah. I mean, and then. Uh, and then one day we're driving to the dog track. There's four of us in this tiny little car and we're passing two bulls around as we're driving up 75, Interstate 75 North. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I need to throw myself out of this car. And I'm like, whoa, this is a weird, that's not normal. Because I mean, I would, sm- I would wake and bake. I was smoking every day. And then I was just, then I started just freaking out. And we finally get to the dog track and I'm just, I finally, you know, get a hold of my, myself and then. And then after that, three out of every four times I smoked weed, I had like some weird fucking panic attack. Like I started going too far in or something. Really? Um, and then it just stopped being fun. And, and, it, and so you stopped? For the most part. I still try every once in a while. You know, yeah. and still every once in a while I'll smoke. But And then I do mushrooms occasionally, but I never did acid. Uh, and then DMT was something I really I Then the older I got, the more I wanted to be sped up. I got away from getting real high. And then I was like... 
oh, I'm 29. I'll start doing coke. Yeah. It's like, what an idiot move. But So I got into that for a while until it turned into, I like to do coke by myself. <laughs> it's like, who does that? <laughs> so after a while, I was like, okay, I need to stop doing that too. Um, but yeah, I do. I still like being sped up. But I need to stop it. I mean, coffee's, I mean, now I'm just coffee. Yeah. Coffee. I have a hard time. I, I, find, I find that coffee can fuck uh, it can fuck up my constitution and the way I think, and like, and it, it, like sometimes I, I get too much, and then all, all of a sudden, I, it's almost like my head goes down, and I get in, in very internal, and I'm like, oh, I need to stop with the coffee, so I'll go off. Like I didn't have it yesterday, but I didn't drink last night, so I was like, oh, I can have it today. Yeah, and so I, I have weird rules too. But so wait, so so you. I'd always wanted to do DMT because I, I thought it would – I really am obsessed with time travel, and I thought it would be the coolest – the closest way to time travel. Oh, you got to see Arrival. Really? You got to see it. Um, it's like a movie where you got to like just be – Is, this, is be, Arrival the one with the – It's got Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner. Oh, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen it. I want to see it. Yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll dig it because okay. I mean, all of this kind of comes into play. Dude, I'm so into all this stuff. Like I, When it comes to time travel and all – because part of the reason I wanted to smoke DMT – so badly was you know because you know you hear joe talk about you know the elves and the helpers and you hear other people like everybody sees the same thing when they smoke and i'm like there this is universal this is something happening here this is bigger than all of us the truth is inside and i gotta get in there and um and then i smoked it and then for like the first minute and a half a total freak out where i thought in my mind i thought i had because um, I think it was probably like 1 a.m. after Friday night's shows. Because Shane came – this is back when his feet were all fucked up. Yeah. So um, he was on the men, but he was just in the area because he was staying at family's house not too far by. So he came over just to hang out at the condo for a couple of days and do some guest sets. Yeah. And um, and he brought it with him, and then I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh, it's here. Now, now I have to do this, right? Uh, and so then we do the shows Friday night. And then the whole night, I know I have to. Oh, that would give you know, me. Uh, <laughs> I have to do. It. That would give me I mean, such anxiety. It reminded me like my first like seven years of stand up, where I would just like my body processes anxiety by liquefying my bowels. Uh, me too. Yeah. So, uh, so I was like in that situation, but not for stand up at all. And uh, so we get back, and we're like fine. So we we do the preface, uh, record for like an hour, him just explaining it, and then. Boom. And then when we smoked it, dude, I was like, I thought I destroyed the condo. I thought I went on a rampage. In my mind, I had destroyed the condo. And I was trying to figure out how am I going to explain this to the guy who owns the club. So you didn't go into a different universe? You just... Like, well, w- like what happened? Well, for the, about, this was like for the first minute. Okay. Um, the first minute, which I thought was, you know, 40 minutes of me rampaging around and like breaking everything just losing control that's the, the one of the craziest things you said coming out of it going you were, i think you kept going that was just 15 minutes yeah yeah You're like it felt like a lifetime yeah and i was like oh, he time traveled <laughs> yeah he went yeah, to yeah. a different universe yeah, yeah. and he lived a different life he went to westworld like <laughs> <Yeah>. oh fuck <laughs> i was fucking blown away yeah i mean what i mean i would not be surprised if like someone came in right now and said shane's a host i'd be like yeah. who yeah <laughs> i wouldn't be shocked if someone said that either <laughs> yeah and so and so then i guess he dude it gave me so much anxiety going back to even listen to that to like edit it together because did you, did you I, edit it at all um we 
because it, it, it feels up. it doesn't feel I mean it's two two episodes but it doesn't feel edited where do you know do you know exactly where they can find you taking DMT in those two episodes well uh well I think there's three parts the first part is the build up explaining it and then at the very end of the first uh of uh I called them I think the DMT couch sessions yeah and uh at the very end of the first one it's when I smoke. That's okay. when I hit the pipe. Because I, I, I've tried to show that I was on Opie. I, I was trying to get him. I was trying to find it. Um, and I just listened to the whole fucking thing when I did it. When I, yeah, when yeah. I was on the road with my uh, one of my someone I work with, Sammy, and she texted me the other day and goes, "Where can I find that? I'm at a I'm at a fucking condo with a bunch of guys in Utah, and I want them to hear it." But it it, it didn't feel edited. It felt like you let it play out because. I mean, it was. It's just like, it's so. It's it's just Shane going. Close your eyes, buddy. Close your close, eyes. Okay, close, okay. Close your okay, eyes. Okay, okay. Because okay. close um, your eyes, man. Let yeah, it happen. It's the Let very end of the first episode is when I smoke, and then the second one. The only thing we edited out was the twelve, fourteen minutes of me just sitting there in silence. So what's that twelve to fourteen minutes? Well, like? what happened was he finally get the mindfold back on me. Yeah, and Spangle is playing. You know, because what happened was, in reality, even though I thought I destroyed in a rampage the condo, what had happened in reality was me sitting on the couch, and all I had done was I took the mindfold and the headphones and I threw them, and then I just sat there involuntarily. Like yeah, you, 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 it was you just a reaction. Yourself. Yeah, yeah, and then this was after everything kind of fractaled up. In like the same way that you get, um, like. Uh, like sometimes when I get into a roller coaster, I get I get panic because I can't get it off, and like like scuba diving. Oh, the uh, the thing holding you in. Yeah, like I, I get oh, okay in, the, in that same kind of manner. Like just like almost like reaching for air. Like get, I need fucking air. Get me out of here. It might have been. I mean, I don't even really remember like, really necessarily the exact emotion or feeling, other than just like you know, like in panic and a panic. I guess it makes sense why. I mean, this is totally not the same thing, probably. But you hear about hypothermia and how people rip off all their clothes because they get real hot. Yeah, maybe it was something like that, um, to where I was just like, <gasps> you know, I, yeah. I can't have things that aren't me on me. Yeah, 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 yeah. That you know? makes sense. Yeah. And so then I sat there and just melted into the couch for like the next ten minutes or whatever it was, and it was awesome. I mean, it was just like, I mean, it was the best. Really? Um, I mean, I saw like. The most beautiful, like violet blue dress thing flowing that I that I was just like, oh man, I'll never forget that. And then I came out of it. I thought I had wet myself. Really? Like what Shane had said that like he's not familiar with anybody really having that. Because at one point I just started grabbing my crotch, and, and uh, he's like, I was wondering like what's going on like, and I thought I, I was checking to see if I'd pissed my pants. I really felt like I had pissed my pants. I was like certain of it. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, when I first realized I'd pissed my pants, I wasn't shameful about it at all. It was so weird. But in reality, I had not. Yeah. But um, but it was crazy. And then Shane told me afterwards, he's like, yeah, I really thought that maybe this was going to be a problem. Like when, it first, when you first freaked out a little bit. Yeah. He's like, I really thought there might be a situation that I wasn't going to be able to handle. And I was like, oh, I'm glad... You didn't. I'm, you handled it great because yeah. he got the thing back on me and the music and everything. And then once that happened, I was. Do you need those on to enjoy it? I don't think so. I've got a friend who, uh, I don't think you'd mind me saying, Jake Dill. He does like 
uh, he's like the night DJ on 98.7 here in town. Okay. And he's like super into uh, DMT and all this stuff. And um, he, uh, he's got a friend like back in the Seattle area who like, you know, hooks him up. And he would always just do it with his eyes open. No music, just staring out at trees and stuff. And he said it was like beautiful. I bet. And then I was like, oh, I never, you know, I think Shane has gone the way of thinking no music is the way to go now, too. Oh, really? Because the music definitely can influence the where you go with it. And Spangle is pretty intense stuff. I mean, even listening to it sober now takes me back to a point where. Can I'm you just find like, Spangle online? Oh, yeah, they're everywhere. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, they're real. Um, I think like they're in this world of like where everybody in this world is like, oh, Spongo, you know, because they got like millions of listens and stuff, you know, yeah. like if you go to their videos on YouTube. So there, I mean, there's a lot of people listening to them, um, but it's almost like music built for DMT, the way it's been described to me. That's so fucking. And there's all these artists like um, I think his name is uh, I'm going to butcher his name, but I think it's like Hakeem Isham. But his artwork is like he draws the lady that everybody sees. I didn't oh, see I've the se- lady. I've seen the – he sent – everyone sent me pictures of the lady. Yeah, yeah. And so I have, I never saw the lady. I only smoked it once to this day. It's, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't gone back in. I mean I definitely will I think, but I'm still terrified of it. I don't think I could do it. I don't – and I'm like – and I really want to. I would really like to. I'm, I'm, I don't put that out there like, hey, someone try to fucking roofie me DMT. Yeah. I don't want that. But, um, like, you know, obviously Joe's a big fan of it and he's been a proponent of it, but I, I don't, ha- I don't know if I have that brain. I talked to Duncan about it and Duncan's like, I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes it's better not to go up in the attic by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way of saying it. I just, I mean, I, I enjoyed, see, here's the problem about me. Is uh, I en- I I am shallow in like I enjoy the stuff I enjoy the low hanging fruit I enjoy life easy I like a convertible Corvette I like <laughs> I like I think those are really fun I like I like mushrooms but I, it better be a giggle fest like I don't want to go to the woods like Ari wants to go to the fucking woods and. And get deep and, and write poetry or whatever Ari does and close his eyes and, and he wants to take a little too much. I don't. I want to take just the threshold a lo- little bit above that. I want to giggle. I want to find a clitoris on a tree and try to make it come. <laughs> like, I, like I, I'm goofy. You know, and, and I, like, it's the thing with weed. I never go in. Every time I go to the weed doctor, I'm always like, "What? what's fun? What do you got that's fun? And I always get the same stuff. And by the way, it's my my... I guess practicing physicians, Joey Diaz, because he was always like, dog, you're going to love Phyllis Diller. Fucking Phyllis Diller, dry it out in your car, put it between your nutsack and get a fucking ticket on the train plane with you. But like, so I like those things. I like, you know, so I don't know if DMT would be the right thing for me. Although I, although I do have massive anxiety about death. Well, I'll tell you, I, as someone who's only done it once. I can't tell you, I think you should, man, you know, or you shouldn't or, but I do know that for me, I never did. I know I never did acid in high school. I always had this sense about myself where I was like, you know what? I feel like I have a door in my mind that I could open that couldn't get closed again. I got it. And, uh, I was like, you know what? Acid 
I don't. I've just always intuitively known I don't need that. I don't need it. I don't need to mess with it. Yeah. And then the mushrooms, I get into that a little bit. I mean, I've, it's not like I've done mushrooms a bunch either, but um, I do like it. Um, although the last mushroom trip I had was in a state park in Maryland with an ex-girlfriend. And it was during the summer, and the plan was to go into the state park and go off the grid and just hike and you know get in the river. I was like, I just want to be naked in a river on mushrooms. <laughs> That's all I want, right? Yeah. And, and this was a woman that we'd gone hiking before when we were dating, and we went totally off the grid, and which I would never do now probably – after there's these books, Missing 411, are you familiar with them? No. Oh, my God. We, we can talk about them later if you want. This guy, David Polites, writes them. He's like a former police investigator and stuff. All the missing people from national parks like and how there's not a database yeah, and how they don't keep track of them. And it's just unexplained shit phenomenon. They all share these common characteristics, and it's really creepy. Um and the guy is also into Bigfoot, but like it's not – he's not necessarily saying Bigfoot is this guy. Yeah. Any, so anyway, so we're in the middle of the woods in somewhere in Maryland, and we find a, like a river, and we're crossing the river. It's kind of shallow. And then we just have sex in the middle of the river where there's a couple rocks, and there's no one around. And I felt like Adam. You know, I felt like first oh, the sh- first man because, you know – because the – because of the logistics of it, you know, she's like bent over, like with her hands on a rock, and I'm there, like, and I'm not even looking at her. I'm looking around, like, just like as loud as you've ever wanted to be. You know oh, what I mean? And yeah. just like, I am. <laughs> like, I really felt like I have to make babies to populate this earth. Yeah. Like, and it was the most. And so I was like, we'll go back to that place, but in a friendship way on mushrooms. Yeah. And um, so we do it. We take mushrooms. We're having the greatest time. I'm staring at a centipede that's purple on the ground for like 15 minutes and just like, oh, this is the best. And uh, and then we just keep walking and walking. And it's like 95 degrees and we run out of water. And the next thing you know, all these people descend upon the area we are. Cross-country teams from like a, a school, like the men and the women's team are just running. Holy from shit. From behind us, like on this path, like nonstop. And now I'm like... I'm freaking out so bad that I'm not even I, – I have to vocalize it to people like around me. Like, yeah. I'm tripping. My ball's <laughs> off. Don't run by me. And she, she's like, don't do this. There's kids here. And I was like, these kids need to know that I'm tripping my balls off. I can't handle this, man. And then I yeah. stop burping. I just, and then I get the burps. <laughs> stop burping. And then I have to shit. And I'm like, I need a shitter. So we walk. We find a shitter. And then there's just like 40 people around this little tiny little wood – shed and i'm like i can't shit in there so we keep walking and i found out later after reading uh i think it was when i was reading food of the gods by mckenna yeah um where he's talking about like mushrooms and stuff and set and setting and i'm like oh we fucked up set and setting real bad here um and maybe ate a little more than we should have and but i think it's the i'm not sure this is 100 percent accurate but like when the first when it really starts to activate and comes over you that fight or flight kicks in because your body's like poisoned essentially yeah. like what the fuck is going on and that's why i just wouldn't stop walking because i was flighting really the whole time and supposed to just sitting there and being like let's take it in but then when we finally got into the river i was it was like i went into a portal into a different world and i walked into the water and it was like the most refreshing enjoyable beautiful thing ever and i was yeah. like i'm in this and i'm just kind of sitting there i'm a little scared that it's, the current's going to take me away even though i was in like 
10 inch deep water. Yeah. So I'm like gripping rocks. <laughs> like, like, like almost as if I'm like holding onto a rock wall. Yeah. But laying down. And, and then I'm just like, this is the best. And then I'm like, oh my God, I've been in here forever. So I get out of the water and she goes, already? And I was like, what do you mean already? Like, how long was I in there? And she goes, like 15 seconds. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I thought I was in there for like a day. And then I just lay down. And then closed my eyes for a while, and then I, I started feeling a little bit better. But I couldn't look at her, and I couldn't hear. You know when you get so nauseous you can't even hear people speak? Yeah. Like, I had, I had kicked into that's that. That's an interesting – that's a very uh, – that happens to me fairly often, only because I drink a lot at airports, and sometimes I will have a drink, and I'll go, I need to get rid of this so that I can get on the plane, and I'll drink I'll drink it too fast, and I will be in a place where I'm I'm – nauseous to the point where I ev- it's it's very centering. It's really interesting that you get very small inside your head and my posture turns the same and someone told me to hold my thumb in my hand and you just are like I don't I might I might throw up. I might throw up. Here we go. Here we go. This <laughs> you. is and then I go small, small, small. Like it's interesting that you said that. It's very poignant. Yeah, and so then, like we got to that point and then I looked at her and she was tripping so badly. And a little bit of backstory on her. Our relationship was pretty intense. It was only the second like serious relationship I've ever had in my life, and I was in my 30s. Yeah. Um, and it was a long-distance relationship. I was still living in Dayton, Ohio at the time. And when we first met, she was in AA, and so she was sober. And then after – right when I moved to L.A. in 2011 is when we broke up, essentially. Yeah. And – and then she, very shortly after that, she realized she was not an alcoholic yeah. and didn't need to be in the program anymore. And she'd been in the program since she was like, uh, you know, 13, 14 years old, right? What? Like a real, like a, a real she rough got, go. She got caught. Kid. She got caught partying. Well, she was like homeless for a while as a kid. What? Too, you know, but uh, like, so she was on the streets for a while and everything. But like, I think what it was, was she was definitely misdiagnosed as being an alcoholic as a kid. As a, she was a kid who was acting out because of some shit that had happened to her. Yeah, you know, that was traumatic. Oh no, you're you're an alcoholic, right? So, so then I'm dealing with like, because she would always tell me like, if I drink again, I'll die. And I was like, well, okay, that's serious. You know, I support you. I, I went to a couple of AA meetings with her. Um, and so then, so now, this is me the, really for the first time hanging out with this woman who I loved like intensely. And thought I was going to have a kid with and stuff like that to uh, knowing that, you know, the woman who if she drank again, if she had one drink, she'd die, you know, theoretically. Yeah. To now I'm tripping balls off with her in the woods like, oh, fuck. What the fuck is going on? So then I'm freaking out a little bit. So I think like when it came to the set and setting of it all, I, I kind of fucked up. Because I wasn't even aware of it, but like there was so much, there was so much unresolved just emotion for me too yeah. in regards to specifically her that we hadn't really, you know. Because I was raised in like a you know a large Irish Catholic family, How so big? Um, well, like the extended family, pretty yeah. big. Like my dad had like six brothers and sisters. My mom had like six brothers and sisters. All in Dayton, uh, all in Dayton for the most part. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. And uh, except uh, an uncle who lived in Scotland. Uh, oh, yeah? For work, and I loved that guy when I was a kid, which I was bet. telling because I was like, he was the guy I looked up to the most. Which, 
even as a kid, which showed me like now in hindsight, I'm like, oh, no wonder why I got the hell out of there because yeah. I loved the guy who was never around. Dayton's so really a fascinating place. It really is, and the older I get, the more I love going back. I've always I've always been in love with Dayton, um, just because I've I don't it's just, I don't know it's the same. First of all, I always had a really good time there. That's that's probably f- for, foremost. Number two, it was like I always thought the people were very real. Like there was a like even now, like I, I was just, when I was just there, I was uh, I'm, I don't mean this arrogantly or whatever, but like. I th- you know I think I've gotten to a place in stand up where I I get some fans fans come to my show <laughs> and and there's this one the case in Dayton there's all these people out for a good time and there's like a woman in pajamas <laughs> and, I was, and I was just like I was like this is this place is like unfazed like it just is a really fascinating place like a lot of homemade tattoos <laughs> y'all lots of homemade tattoos <laughs> and I I just get a kick out of Dayton I get a kick out of Ohio but like earnestly. Yeah, they're like they're like earnest homemade tattoos that still are ho- obviously homemade tattoos. Yeah. but it's not like a couple buddies were fucked up and like, oh, let's do, let's fucking do, let's do some poking sticks, man, yeah. of of this silly thing. It's like, no, I'm gonna give myself a tattoo. Yeah, and it's gonna look awesome. He, I, there was a guy that had a t- a t- he had a tattoo of a uh, um of the Ram logo, like not the team, but the the truck Ram trucks. Oh, he had okay. A, but then he had the the slogan, whatever is it built tough or whatever. I don't know if it's built tough or whatever. The slogan is was written on top and on below it, below, above and below it. And the words were written so fucking poorly <laughs> that I that I I recognized with the Ram thing, but I couldn't understand the logo. And he, he was like, "Well, yeah, the guy that did the letters didn't have the best penmanship." So like the guy did a <laughs> accurate tattoo, homemade tattoo, but it was not a big fan of writing. Like he didn't write often. So so the artwork was beautiful, but the letters were written like a child had written them. Like you can't tell. Are they trying to print or write in cursive? It was, it was, it like was in that middle so ground. fucking bad that I kept I kept looking at it and giggling and going, how interesting. I obviously if you take someone who maybe is the guy that is making homemade tattoos in Dayton uh, and you know outside in the in the suburbs and he's and they're on he might be a really good artist but he never really learned writing words a whole bunch so his work it was so fucking fascinating to me (laughs) but but yeah i love dayton i not to interrupt so this girl uh was now what happened to her now where is she at now she's great she's doing great yeah she still lives in baltimore but uh yeah so um I mean, we still keep in touch. We're still friends. Setting's um, really important when it comes to drugs. Yeah, and I never like I transitioned to a place in my life where like drugs aren't a party for me anymore. I guess yeah. like when I do like seek them out or try to want to do them, I uh, you know it's for like you know not necessarily to go into the woods and take too much and write poetry like Ari's. I don't even know if that's Ari's thing, but, but no, but that I, I'm, the- I'll tell you right now, I'm never doing mushrooms with Ari. Like, he just fucking scares me about it because he's the kind of person that wants you to go deep and I'm going to make you face your true self yeah and then you're going to have some questions and you're not going to like the answers yeah but you're going to have to deal with them and you're going to cry and then you might scream but it's going to be scary like, and beautiful we all went to Calgary and then he wanted to go camping and take mushrooms after Calgary and I was like I was like I can't I couldn't because I have kids last time I did mushrooms I had a full-blown panic attack realizing oh fuck I have two children whose brain whose livelihood depends on my brain's ability to function and if I fuck with that and and setting was not good we were at a piano bar so, <laughs> so and I would never want to do mushrooms at a piano bar dude but like it's interesting because I think it was just a couple days ago the 
the new reports are coming out about psilocybin, you know, when administered properly and everything out, it will help not cure, but it definitely helps treat depression and like, uh, patients. I want to, I kind of want to, I wish that, um, I wish that we just make huge leaps and bounds in our medical industry right now and they could go, Oh, here's, here's micro dosing of psilocybin. So if you want to just like, just take the threshold amount and it'll help you. I, Cause I really do. I do feel like though, I remember having a buddy who needed, um, marijuana to be creative and I was like, oh, I definitely don't need that. And I'm so glad I don't need that. I don't need alcohol to perform on stage. I'm so glad I don't need that. Um, I, I needed tobacco to have conversations for a period of time in my life. Like I needed a dip to like. Oh, I, my God. Yeah. Like I'm on like day 85. I'm doing a 90 day like no nothing. Yeah. Kind of thing. And I'm like, I got like four days left. But uh, are you going like, back to I, it after that? Oh yeah, I mean, I'll I'll be in Mason City, Illinois, at this tiny little club, which is a lot of fun um, on this weekend. Yeah, working. So I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna have some bourbon. I've been dreaming of bourbon, but um, the uh, I do have a bottle of Bullet bourbon in my room that they're just kind of like close yeah. to the bed, just staring at me, unopened. I'm like, oh, when I get back into town, I get to enjoy that, but oh. not like a monster. I did that last year where I took a month and a half off, right up until Halloween, and then went to Joshua Tree Halloween weekend. With a couple buddies, um, you know Dave Stone, comedian uh, Dave Stone. He's out of Atlanta originally, really yeah, funny I think guy. So. so it was like Dave, uh, my buddy Lisa Best, who's really funny, and Kanane was there, and Kanane's girlfriend was with us, and we're like, okay, well, night one we'll party, night two we're gonna blast off. You know, we'll do mushrooms and just look at the stars and try to contact aliens and all this kind of stuff. I got, but I had been sober for like I hadn't drank for like a month and a half, oh, that's and so a I got so rebound. carried away the first night drinking Jack. That like I was so hungover the next morning. I mean, I was throwing up the night before. Like I woke up in the middle of the night, like in one of those, like I need a ba- I need a toilet now. Yeah, and like like I was in high school. Wow. Like, yeah, those, those first night drink. backs. Oh, it was rough. So I cannot do. I'm not going to do that this time. I know better. But uh, it's like, but I the other night I was at this. I was at the Virgil just a couple nights ago, and I was dancing sober, and I was like, oh, I made it. Yeah. I can dance sober again. My uh, my thing's having conversations with people that I don't yeah. want to talk to. Oh man, the dip thing. Oh, dude, I dipped for like eighteen years. It's this is best. probably not good to like just reminisce so fucking glowingly it's about so fucking great. The smokeless tobacco. But I mean, but when I because I started dipping in high school too. Because the first time I put a dip in, I almost fell down the stairs. Because I was buzzed. Oh, so I love hard. that buzz. And I was like, that's all it took for me to be like, oh, shit, I'm in. This almost <laughs> made me fall down the stairs. What did you dip? What was it. the first dip you dipped? Uh, Kodiak. Oh, our first dip was a Hawkins. Oh, my God. Hawkins? Hawkins. I forgot all about Hawkins, dude. Yeah, and then I went into Skull. And then um, the first time I ever did Copenhagen, though, I was in high school. I was probably 14. And I didn't understand what snuff – that snuff is just like well, – it's, it's just what people call another name for – at least in Ohio. It was just another – Name yep. for a lip, and so I fucking snorted it. And oh. I snorted Copenhagen, and then my buddy's mom picked us up from this party where we were drunk, and I oh. threw in a brand new car, and I just I gacked all through the back seat of her brand new car. It was the worst, oh. and I the next morning hung over as like a fifteen year old kid or whatever, however old I was, just cleaning my own vomit out of a brand new. I mean that woman. I'm surprised she didn't murder me, but um. But then, but it didn't deter me from keeping wanting to dip. And then I got into Redman Golden Blend, the long stuff. Although that stuff stains the cheek inside, though, where you can't get rid of that flavor. I, dude, I that 
I went, so I did, uh, I did, I started with Hawkins and we went over to Copenhagen and I did Copenhagen all through high school. Like and, the, the legit Copenhagen before legit, they went like long cut. Yeah. Real Copenhagen. Where you, like where you, had to go, electric. you had to go in and check the date before you bought it. <laughs> like what, what date do you have? Uh, June 11th. Uh, I'm going to pass. Yeah. 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 And so, uh, and then I did Copenhagen and then I, and then in college, I, I said this in my book, but, uh, there was, um, there was the the difference in our fraternity was people who dipped Copenhagen said the N word and people who dipped Skull didn't, and so in a weird way I just aggregated to Skull because yeah. like and not that not that I wouldn't dip Copenhagen every now and then but like I, I found myself more like the guys who dipped Skull so they were easier to get a dip from and then you didn't have to hear things you didn't want to hear yeah you know although although they're in the same house they're in the same room the N words flying around liberally. And I just uh, and I just kind of started dipping skull, and then skull stepped up their game with cherry skull, dude. When it went cherry skull, when I, cherry skull came I onto mean, the market, that's like when the Beatles came to America, dude. Dude, like, I I went it bonkers. Was, I can tell you, I can almost pinpoint the date cherry skull <laughs> came out because I know I was hanging out at Royal Pavilions. It was probably the summer of '92. I was going to guess '92, yeah, yeah, summer '92, and I, and I, they came out with cherry skull, and it was like. Holy shit! And at first, I remember like I remember guys would would get it, it got mailed to them, and they were like, Ooh, "Look what I got in the mail!" And we're like, "What cherry skull?" Oh fuck, that was a game changer. And then uh, I dip, and then I always smoked cigarettes a little bit, but not enough. But then I didn't dip all one summer uh, that I was in I was in Russia and in Europe. I didn't dip at all. I just smoked cigarettes. And when I came home, I think I had something wrong with my lungs. I think I oversmoked in Europe. And I, I had a hard time. I started getting asthma. And so I stopped smoking. And if I, I was like, well, if I stop smoking, I've already stopped dipping. I'm out. And I didn't have chewing tobacco again until I quit drinking in like 2002, maybe. I quit drinking for like six, eight months. And one day I was just bored. I was like, I need something in my life. Like I need, I need a treat. I need, and I was at the CBS right across the street from the Laugh Factory, and but you know oh, right yeah. that area. I was at that CBS on Fairfax and Sunset, and I went in. I was getting something, and I went, uh, you know, let me get some Golden Blend. God damn it! And I was back in God immediately. God immediately. God. There's no like, there's no slip back in. It's like oh. full blown. I gave myself nicotine overdose uh, not that long ago when I just decided. Because it's just like – it's almost like you're having an out-of-body experience. You're at the counter. You're bored. Uh, what happened for me was I hadn't smoked in five years. I hadn't dipped in that long. And then I decided I'm cutting out sugar. So I decided to cut out sugar, and I have no idea the repercussions of this yeah. choice, right? I don't realize just how much sugar is in everything. This Okay, this happened to me this weekend. Uh, okay. And so – what happens is I'm on like day three of no sugar. Okay. And now I'm at stoplights. I'm on like Glen Oaks in on in Burbank. And I'm just staring at a seven eleven as if I'm a wolf who hasn't eaten in yeah. months and I'm staring at like a baby deer running around. Like and I'm just like, There's fucking tobacco in there and I'm getting it, god damn it. And I'm just like, What the and I'm like, What is happening to me? Like yeah. why it's been five over five years. Why am I freaking out? And then I just went in and I said, two packs of Camel Lights, can, uh, I think I got the cherry, yeah. Skull Cherry. Because like, I just was like, I'm all in. <laughs> oh, and give me this e-cig because this is new since yeah. I quit. <laughs> Let's see how these now I will out. always have nicotine coursing through my veins <laughs> because that was my problem, man. Because like, if I wasn't smoking, I was dipping. 
Yeah. And if I wasn't dipping or smoking, I'd, I'd try to sneak half a patch on or something. Cause I was like, I want nicotine all the time. It's, it's, you know, Rogan says he, like, right before he goes on stage, he'll hit an e-cig. Cause nicotine's super creative. I, I don't ever put, try to put words in anyone's mouths. This is what I've heard him say. And so, uh, I don't, I've never seen him do it, but hit like an e-cig because nicotine's super creative. And I did the feeling of the nicotine hitting your bloodstream is crazy. I've, I'm on a fucking diet contest with Tom Segura and, oh, yeah. and I'm fucking, I'm literally, I was doing the diet very unhealthy. I was just not eating and then just drinking vodka sodas. <laughs> and so, and so I have no sugar in my system, no sugar, none. And I I don't eat all I don't really eat all weekend. I'm just drinking, and then in Tampa this weekend, and then Saturday morning, my dad wakes up and we're at my beach house, and he goes, "Hey, let's uh, let's go get a cigar." And I was like, "Yeah, you know what? I need a treat." So I go get a cigar. I get this Asylum Seventeen or Asylum Thirteen, and I tell the guy, I "Go, I'm looking for a big. I want a big, strong cigar." And dude, I got nicotine poisoning. Like I overdosed hardcore because I was sick. I mean, that night I was getting on stage and I was like, I'm dying. I'm fucking dying. But it's just all the nicotine goes in through your bloodstream and it's a strong cigar. And next thing you know, I'm fucking driving to the improv in Tampa with a hoodie on, with the heat on, like just fucking dying. I I never realized it was a thing. I didn't even I didn't know it was a thing, thing, and then I was on stage, and I go, "Hey, is it possible to have too much like get sick off a cigar?" And this guy's like, "Fuck yes!" Yeah, he was like, "What did you smoke?" And I told him, and he goes, "Ugh, when did you smoke (laughs) it after a meal?" And I said, "No, after not eating for three days." And he was like, "Holy shit, the fuck!" And then and then thank God I kind of righted I righted my boat with my bloodstream, but uh, but I I just fucking and I ate for the first time on my flight home. And uh, and then gained whatever weight you don't eat get from not eating. I gained yeah. it right back, and I was like, "Motherfucker, dude!" I'll tell you. I mean, my problem. I, I have like the similar problem where like I just don't understand that life is not a Sam's Club. Like to me, life is Sam's Club. I God mean, everything in bulk. It. You know what I this mean? This is my problem. I have a problem with impulse, and so yeah. Like I was at when I was at the Phoenix airport. I'm like vodka soda, three eggs, extra side of bacon, and I'm just eat, going like protein. Protein will be good. <laughs> And then next thing you know, I'm wolfing down vodka sodas, and I was so drunk coming – because I haven't eaten three days. I've been having – by the way, I would go on stage. I'd have a vodka soda on the late show and a vodka soda for the ride home because I'd get driven home. But I'd get a vodka soda styrofoam cup, and that's all I was drinking because I had no calories in. So like two drinks was – I was hammered by the yeah. end of the fucking night. Yeah, you got – like when I'm in that – stage like i do the same if i'm like trying to if i've got some kind of thing where i go off the rails for a while i'm like okay i need to try to you know trim a few pounds you know get back into like you know, you're shit. skinny you're skinny. yeah I, i'm I, i'm doing you know i try to stay active as Have much you ever been as fat? possible not really no <laughs> and what i'll do is it's like okay nicotine oh it's a hunger suppressor okay i'll just dip for a couple months while i try to get into good shape or I'll just oh you know what else is a good hunger you know I'll call my buddy up and get a bunch of Adderall uh, and then I'll just Adderall, Adderall so great and then uh, tobacco and it's just like what, the reason I'm doing 90 days of off the sauce and everything else is because I was in Atlanta at the Laughing Skull love that club. and I got in Wednesday night and I was like I'm not gonna be able to fall asleep because of the time difference so I went down to the bar had had some was just drinking bourbon down to the hotel bar 
eventually fell asleep. The next night, Thursday night, had a fun night, and then went out with a bunch of all the comics. I, I mean, Atlanta's like a home away from home. I love that place. Yeah. Such a good scene. And then I'm just out all night, just drinking. And then I'm like, fuck it, dude. And I just start chain smoking. Uh, and I'm like, I hadn't smoked in a while. And I'm like, what am I doing? And I'm just chain smoking. And I'm like, oh, a menthol? Oh, I haven't had a menthol. Oh, one of those ones that you pop the filter where it switches halfway oh, through? Yeah, this what? is some Jekyll and Hyde shit. Give me that. <laughs> you right? Like, I want to smoke like Jekyll and then pop it to like Hyde. You know what I mean? And so then I'm just, I'm, you know. Me and you should be on the, the test marketing for a nicotine company. Like, what? It's brand new? I don't even care if it's good. It's new? I got to put it in my my ass give it to me fat camels are you <laughs> shitting me i love this idea it's like smoking a 100 but no one can tell <laughs> dude i would smoke a cigarette that looked like a curly straw uh, <laughs> that would be the coolest be the fucking coolest cigarette i'd be like i haven't smoked and i don't smoke and i'm not a smoker but for the experience yeah i want to see how it hashes oh i'm gonna i'm gonna spend a solid three months this summer rolling my own (laughs) cigarettes and be that guy and get myself a leather pouch dude i have my own leather pouch for chewing my nose is dripping right now talking about this stuff that's how much of an addict and it's so funny i I, like now when i whenever i have really stressful moments in my life i will go and get a can of skull mint and i won't dip it but i'll smell it and it's almost like listening to an rem song and remembering where you were (laughs) when it happened you're like oh fuck yeah oh my god i dude i i loved skull mint because skull mint was the precursor to cherry skull mint that's was when the they realized they had something with this flavor stuff right yeah. like because of how popular mint was but when i was in high school you know every weekend or whatever you know we'd go out and we'd drink before the high school football games or whatever because i wasn't an athlete but like you know you'd have to switch friday night or you know you cycle through your group of friends who was the designated driver who got yeah. their parents car that night and so i whenever i was a designated driver i would just be dipping the whole fucking night you know experimenting with the mouthpiece doing all that kind of stuff yeah. you know what i mean um and so then i always wanted to quit and because i was smoking too and then a friend of mine's like oh if you I heard that if you dip a whole can, like, in one night, like, you just, one dip's done, you take it out, you put another one in, and you just keep doing that until the can's gone, you'll never dip again. I think I've done that before. Yeah. So I do, I pick Skull Mint, because that's what I was locked into at the time. Yeah. This was probably 92, 93. Yeah. And um, so I dip, like, over half a can of Skull Mint while driving my buddies around to parties and stuff and uh, try not to get in fights at Burger Kings with other schools or whatever, you know, that shit, right? And so to the point where my lip is so raw and I want to throw up by the last one that I stop it. I'm like, I'm never fucking dipping again. And then I could never smell Skull Mint again after that. And I never dipped Skull Mint again. But the problem was I could dip Skull Original, Skull Straight, <laughs> Skull Cherry, Skull, Skull Peach, yeah. Kodiak, uh, Kodiak Straight, uh, Copenhagen. Yeah, I could do any other dip except Skull Mint. So I'm like, I am not going through every can. Yeah, you know, uh, to try to quit dipping. Like, there's there has to be a better way. I look at kids dipping Grizzly, and almost the same way, uh, like. 1950s parents looked at kids doing the shake, you know, going, what is wrong with these kids? Like the grizzly. Oh, man. I was under grizzly because it was so cheap for a minute. Yeah, like, that's everyone's like, it's yeah. cheap. And you're like, yeah, but don't, doesn't taste matter at all? Yeah, you you get nothing out of it. Like, Hold on one sec. Yeah, I want to get new batteries for this because we're getting, if, you, if your batteries die, you lose the podcast. Like mine's such a desperation. 
sorry guys, we had to pause uh, because I wanted to get new batteries in here. And this conversation is going so fucking smooth. It's like, fuck. But um, yeah, but so we were talking about, we just ended up on the side, we were talking about um, comics. And I was saying how valuable it is to have um, someone's insight. Like, I guarantee you, when you were with Mark, you probably, we all, everyone respects Mark. So there's no, it's not like there's, it's not like some, I'm not saying something out of school or something, but you respect him. So you probably watched a lot of his sets. Oh, yeah. Unlike a lot of guys you'd just feature with. And then you'd be like, you you feature for him, you'd be like, I've seen enough. Like, when I worked with Jay, I, I so respected Jay more that I would often watch his sets. And if he did something new, I would pull him aside and go, that's really great. Or, this is a, you know, it's and that's fun. And so I was, that's what I was saying. Is I, I wanted someone that would fucking... Yeah, it's, it's got to be somebody you respect and who's funny. Yeah, yeah too. Like, and go, hey, I just, I watched, you said this, and it's a good... I don't know. This, but the other thing I was saying is that Mark got into stand up for such, like everyone has their whatever. I, I, I must have heard him say this. I don't know where I would have heard him talk about this. Uh, oh, with Joe Madrice on his podcast the other day. Oh, okay. And he was saying we were all. Joe's great. Yeah, Joe's fucking fantastic. He's so great. I saw him at Go Bananas many years ago when I was just kind of coming up. And I was just like, oh man, this dude's doing it. This yeah. is like stand up. Ohio's probably the. The one place where it didn't have technically a scene, but the state was a scene. Yeah, like yeah, I think kind of split in half. Like the Southern Ohio scene. Like I came up with guys like uh, Dave Waite and He's fucking hilarious. Yeah, so Dave Waite. There was a there was a trio of us really that kind of came up together. It was like Dave Waite, Jeff Tate, and myself. We all kind of came up together. And I haven't then, talked to Jeff Tate is so fucking long. How long has it been? We had a falling out on a podcast. And he texted me like the next day, or I think, or the day after, and it was still really close to me. And so I, I didn't. I was like, I don't, I don't want to fucking talk to you now because I st- my feelings are still hurt. And so I haven't talked to. Him. And but and then I was like, and then by the time that and someone's like, do you guys hate each other? I was like, no, I've known him forever. But like, you know how you get in a fight with a friend and you're like, oh sure, yeah. Like I, I don't want to. Like let's not talk about it today. Like let's talk about it when we're both well past it, yeah. And it's really water under the bridge. And I can tell you, oh, this is what I was thinking, and I know it's ridiculous. And then you can say, this is what I was thinking, and I know that's ridiculous. But I can see your point, and you can see my yeah. point. He's actually staying in my place right now, so it's weird. Yeah, the uh, he just came into town, but uh, <clears throat> the uh, yeah. So we came up together in that Southern Ohio scene, and Columbus was a part of it, Cincinnati, yeah. Dayton. But then Cleveland was kind of separate. Cleveland had Cleveland was like the thing was like happening. Ryan Dalton and yeah and uh, and Joe Howard yeah 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 <laughs> uh, what's her name the uh, she's a really beautiful girl uh, very funny comic I forget her name right now I used to run into her all the time why would I not remember this she used to date um, she used to date someone but uh, oh but I remember like Go Bananas was such a good club that like every once in a while you know. Not every once in a while, but then I worked the door there, you know, because I waited tables. Did you ever do Jokers back in the day in Dayton, Ohio? No, I, well, I came in. I came in and just did Dayton, and I worked with uh, and Do- when Doc was there, mm. and and uh, I waited tables at this club called Jokers Comedy Cafe, and Doc was bartender there. Uh, this was back in the day, and a woman named Lisa Grigsby owned it. And then the Funny Bone moved in, so they closed. And yeah. she went over and ran the Funny Bone. Yes. And Doc moved over there. And then when she left, Doc took over. And Megan, who's there now, she was like working there. So I've like I was just a waiter because I was like I'm gonna see this world. 
yeah. before I devote my life to it. And I'm like, I wanted to like, it's almost like I felt like I cheated. I snuck into the world, right? And I would just sit there and like, guys like, because Jokers was great because she brought in people like Stanhope, Hedberg, Attell, like, and she would bring him in like twice a year because she realized I need to build audiences for these people. The flip side of that was the Funny Bones were bringing in Jay Medicine Hat twice a year. Exactly. Not nothing, no slight on Jay Medicine Hat. Yeah. But it just is a very different style of comedy. It's so funny because that's what that's what made her leave the Funny Bone. Did Jay you know Medicine that story? Hat. I hold on. I don't even know what she I mean no, it's no, not I that big of a no, no. no, no, it's like yeah, no Jay Medicine Hat is why she left. Yeah, what was the problem? I the remember funny someone bone. just told me the like, story. Because he didn't he pass away like he's two dead. Years? Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. yeah. What happened was he was there. And for those who don't know, he's like a hypnotist act. By the way, and there's uh, there it is a disservice in this industry that we don't that we don't somehow pay respect or pay note to a guy like Jay Medicine Hat or the Chinaman or like mm-hmm. all these acts that are big road acts. They kill on the road. They murder on the road. They make a good living just being road dogs. Like, and that's ultimately what I am at heart is a guy that does the road because that's how I'm going to make my living until I'm sixty. Yeah. Is by going to your city and doing stand up in your city, but there's it's it is you know, I think Jay it just it's 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 not that far off from what Larry the Cable Guy does. No, no, like, no, it's it's not, yeah. not, not and like he's super successful. He just got uh, I, I think he's very talented, but he got put into an avenue where that was highly coveted. And Jay Medicine was just a road guy, and he had big drinker, I think big coke, and partied hard. But he going to every market four times a year. Yep, and dude, massive following because it was you know at its heart a different show every time. Yeah, because because it was people from the audience who were essentially the show. Yeah, because of the nature of the hypnotism thing. But so he came in to Funny Bone, and you know you have someone go up and do ten minutes, open the show, and that's it. And then it's just him, right? And um, I wasn't there, but. He can't hypnotize the people on this particular night. This is something that happened. So he would sometimes go, fuck it, it's not working, and leave. Yes. And so he says, fuck it, this isn't happening. Uh, These fucking cunt waitresses, this is what he says from stage, are fucking my shit up. Like he's – now he's – he's not just – he doesn't just say, fuck it, this isn't happening. Now he's blaming the staff. Yeah. And – you know, the staff there, as you know, because you go to Dayton. I mean, it's like that at any comedy club. They're a family. They're a very tight That staff family. is different than any other comedy club. That staff is really close. Yeah, they're real tight. Has really been close. Like, I was, yeah, like, I know their children. We go to post like yeah. parties at their houses on Sundays if we're not at Sure Shots. Like, it is yeah. <laughs> a very close group. Yeah, it's a very close group. And so that was like, oh, no, 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 you didn't. Just do that. Yeah. So he walks off stage. The MC scrambles or whatever goes back up on. She goes, you need to get back up there. And he goes, F- you know, your waitress says, fuck this all up. Everything's ruined. You know, I'm not going back up. And she goes, no, you're going back up. So she fires him. <sighs> she fires him. That's, and a so big, the, that's a big. So what happens is the higher ups say, you can't do that. Yeah. And she said, no, he called my waitresses cunts from stage. Uh, I can do that. And they said, "Well, he makes us a lot of money, so you're gone." And he that's made, why, and essentially, that's why she's she was. He gone. made them a lot of money. A lot of money. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess he'd get paid five grand a week. I'm gonna guess. 
Probably. I wouldn't be surprised if it was slightly more. Mm. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it was more. The problem is, and I, I'll say this to all the names that are big road guys um, that don't live in L.A. Not that that sounds that's that's a slight. The guys that don't like that that don't ever plan to live in L.A. and just are like, I'm a road dog. This is what I do. I got my same act. I do my same act every time I come through. Is money? You only know how you're not getting fucked on money by other comics sometimes. Like the only reason I know that I got a solid deal is from Segura and Ari. We all we just tell each other what we're making. And that's why I love Jackie Cation so much. Yeah. She's one of the big proponents of like we need to talk. Yeah. And like the wage gap only existed because people have been fed that lie in the workplace about you don't talk about how much money you make. Dude, Ian Bag and I got the same offer uh one year. We, we, we I'll tell you the exact number. We were making 2 grand at all the clubs to headline. Maybe our second year headlining, third year headlining. And then 2008 hits, and they drop us back down to 1500. And I was like, I mean, we called up each other, and we're like, "Did this happen to you?" And he was like, "It happened to me." I was like, "Well, I can do it if you can do it. I mean, it's going to hurt, but it. I definitely need money." I, and and then someone else, I won't say his name, didn't know it was happening to everyone. He thought it was just happening to him, and he fucking canceled all his dates. And had a solid six years of trying to get back into the clubs. Whereas wow. Ian and I took the five hundred dollar hit, and then the next year we were back up to two. And then I mean, they saved, they saved themselves a ton of money for two years just by doing that. Um, but and and now like I talked, I, mean, I talked to Segura aggressively about numbers. So because I go, he's like, you can't get. Yeah, but you also have like like I, I remember saying I was going to do a theater uh, in D.C. We're talking about numbers, talking about doing a theater, and then you have someone, you have a, a, your best friend saying to you, um, "What are your numbers?" And you tell him, "You can't lie. Why lie? There's no reason to lie." Yeah, these are my numbers in D.C. Okay, yeah, I had that last year too, and I'm not doing a theater, and I'll tell you why. Because the when I did do a theater, I did one in Philly, and it's because I sold out every show, and they had to add Thursday shows, and those sold out. And I think that's what like, and then you have a real educated. As opposed to some idiot, which was me a lot, going, I just sold out Dayton, and Doc would pull me aside and go, no, I papered the room. You didn't see you, <laughs> you sold 35 <laughs> tickets. And then and then you're like, oh. And then he's like, see all those people sitting forwards? There should also be people sitting backwards. Like, And you're like, oh, hey, thank you for doing that. Now I'm, now I'm not a fucking idiot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big proponent of – I would love if there was some sort of uh, – uh, like – uh, what is it called? Union for us that we could. Yeah, I'd love that too. And I'm all about disclosure across the board in, yeah. in every area of life. You know, whether it's aliens or comics talking about what they're getting paid, dude. Like it's. Um, and granted, I'm not an idiot too. Like I realize different people are different draws. You know what I mean? So there's going to be wage discrepancy. There is. Um, and that's and, and rightfully so because of what you're bringing in. There's and you know people talk about the wage gap. They talk about um, racism in the workplace. There is distinct racism in stand-up comedy and sexism going on in booking. It's but it's not. It is the thing where I think things get lost is it's not the club's fault. It's the consumer's fault always. You blame it on the consumer the same way they put. Uh, what's the girl? The really beautiful girl in the movie where she plays the Chinese girl. Uh, what? what Oh, uh, well, she's not Chinese. She's not Chinese, but they, but they, but they cast her as the girl who should be Chinese, and everyone's up in arms. Cultural appropriation. How dare you? I'll tell you why they do that. Because you're not going to see the movie if you don't know the fucking actor. Yeah. Like, there's certain movies where I go, like, I'm, look, I'm very fucking liberal. But when I go on iTunes movies 
and I see the covers, two dudes holding each other's faces, I go, I'm not even going to watch the trailer because I know I'm not going <laughs> to like it. Like, no offense. I, that's, whatever that is, I don't know what – but yeah. as a consumer – Sorry, it's like, not in your field of interest, which is like I mean I don't I don't think we have to apologize yeah. for things not appealing to us. Yeah, that's but but yeah. now it, it thinks I think this is part of the reason Trump got elected is that people did make it to the point where you need to apologize. You're white, denounce yourself, denounce yourself, say you're a devil, say you're renounce your white guilt or your white privilege. I will agree there's white privilege. I don't know how to go about announcing it, denouncing it. But the same thing happens in stand up clubs. I remember I worked with a dude. I wish I could remember his name. Because he was so fucking funny. We worked in Chicago together, and he was blowing me off stage. Blowing me off stage. And I knew it, and he knew it, and Tony Baldino knew it. And no one said anything and, and until like the last night, second last night, maybe Saturday night, we're both drinking. And and by the way, he was blowing me off stage, and I was fine with it because he was just funny. He was just really fucking funny. He wasn't doing tricks. He wasn't doing tricks. I mean, I could definitely pick it apart and try to tell you what tricks I thought he might be doing. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But was, he was just doing really well. And he said to me, he goes, no no offense, but like I'm older than you and I'm I'm doing better than you. Why am I not headlining? And I was like, well, there's I, I remember thinking there's a couple of things. Number one, if I go in front of you, you'll definitely have a hard time following me also. Like I'm funny in 20-minute chunks as funny as you are. We're all that funny. But I go, I think the reason it is is that – if they put your face on a poster, these people aren't showing up. These people that are loving you and eating it up, they will not come out and see you by yourself because they see that face and they go, oh, no, no, no. That must be the urban night. I'm not going there. Who's playing next week? And then they see my face and they go, oh, my son looks like that guy, that kid. Oh, I bet I'll like that. Or, oh, my brother looks like that guy. I bet I'll like that. And so then white people come out in droves. And that is true. Same with female comics. Best selling is fucking hilarious. Unless you're a best-selling fan, you see that face, and there is a big group of people that go, oh, I don't like female comics. That's the consumer. So it's not the club doing it, but well, the problem is uh, – maybe I'm arguing myself in a circle. <laughs> the club probably definitely goes, we're going to predict what our consumers yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, maybe I'm wrong about that. Because, I mean, I guess if they are I, – I think it's – Equal people setting the market here because it's like it's what the consumer has been provided to believe stand-up comedy is for so long. Yeah. So therefore they believe like Emo Phillips, like we had a great conversation. This was years ago, like and he told me like, oh, man, it was like he, he's the best. And I was, he really is the best. We were talking. He's like, I started comedy in 1976. And I was like, holy shit. Right. Yeah. And I was like, that's the year I was born. I fucking I was like. I, I was born the year you started doing stand-up, and I'm going to make too many mystical connections to it, and I don't need to talk to you about that because yeah. you're never going to want to talk to me again because yeah. you're going to think I'm too fucking weird, <laughs> right? <laughs> so next you know, he's like, you know, before comedy – he goes, before Comedy Central um, – uh, and it's not just Comedy Central, but he's like, there were no rules about what stand-up comedy was. He's like, in 1976, when we were doing stand-up, I wasn't weird. I wasn't different. I was doing stand-up comedy yeah. because there wasn't a formula or what people thought it's supposed to be. Yeah. So it was – you could do anything you wanted. But he goes, now audiences have these expectations because of what's happened on television for so many years in a row. Oh, I find myself falling into it at the store. Like, I don't perform with a shirt on. I just haven't done it on the road in probably five, seven years. But when I'm at the store, I conform – Cause I don't want to be, I go, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't, whatever it is. And then 
someone was like, why, why don't you just take your shirt off? And I go, I don't know. It fucking feels weird. I feel like I'm trying to be a head, like, whatever. I don't know. It just fucks with my head. So I don't do it. So I perform with the shirt on. I, same amount of laughs. There's no different in the laughs. It's actually harder to get laughs with your shirt off because people think you're an <laughs> asshole. But, but, I, uh, but it's such an interesting – there is a, con, con, a conforming that happens. It's the same in the alt clubs. I remember going there and everyone was like, this is where it's at. And I was like, oh, there's a lot of people just doing – what they've seen other people do, it's just same conforming. Yeah, I'll tell you, I mean, you know, that's where I spend the majority of my time yeah. is in those those rooms. And like whether it's like these little, little tiny little rock venues, you know, I still do. I Like comedy clubs are where I was born. So like that's to me where my, you know, my heart will always be. I mean, I started, in, you know, I tell people they're like, well, where'd you start comedy? I was like, well, in silence to a sea of NASCAR hats. That's where I started <laughs> yeah. stand up comedy. And um and it was like, if you can find out, I mean, to me, that's what stand-up comedy is. And maybe we overthink it, but this is our life. And why wouldn't we, you know, because we care about it. But it's like, you know, it's finding, crafting your jokes in a way to being able to communicate to as many people as possible. Just what we think, because this is what blows my fucking mind, dude. When you think about the language we're using right now to communicate, and this is the first time we've met, but like we're having a a great conversation, but we're using this rudimentary toolbox, right? Of these 26 fucking letters to form all these different words to express the deepest, most insecure or bravest or all these emotions and shit, right? That we have other people have put words to. As far as I know, we haven't invented any words that everyone else uses too. Yeah. I know we've got words, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but like in our own little tribes, we've all got our own language, but like, and it's like, it's amazing. Anything gets fucking done to me considering how complex and how deep we feel this stuff. And then when you can make a gut laugh, that's when to me, an audience member, a total stranger, realizes I have thought the exact same thing and never said it. To me, like you fucking yeah. groove it. You groove a thought, an emotion, a feeling, a That's sense an so deep to groove that they thought. go <gasps> like yeah. truth explodes from them in the form of laugh, I think, is, is I what think, happens. I think a gut laugh. That's interesting you say that. A gut laugh. Yeah. A gut laugh, a gut laugh. translates in every single club. Yes. I don't think it doesn't translate. I don't think it is lost on anyone. There is there is a thing that it's almost like uh I, w- I wish I was I wish I was smarter to make this thought. But like there's almost like um Do you ever see someone dancing on the on the dance floor and then you go, "Oh, they're dancing." And you just don't even pay any mind and then you're like, "Oh, they're not, they're not really good at dancing, but they're dancing and you they don't stand out." They don't stand out as bad or good. They're doing a couple moves, and you're like, "Oh, that!" But that'll pass as dancing. There's a lot of people that do comedy that passes as comedy. Yeah, where you're like, "Oh, they're doing them. They're doing all the right intonations. They hold the mic right. Their arms up on the stand. They're, um, they're pacing and timings right, and they seem to be painting out the stuff that." But when you see someone doing, and this is what I love about the alt clubs. That you that sometimes the like funny bones and and improvs will suck out of it is like when you see something someone doing something totally fucking different and it's very independent and very um, distinct and it's not trying to be anything that it isn't it just is trying to be what it is that's when I fucking that's what I fucking love like I, there's a guy I love named Jay Snyder do you know him he's out of Dayton oh no I, yeah I know I've known Jay since him and his brother started as a duo act yeah Jay yeah. does Jay Jay is just as prone to bad habits as I am and as any comic. Sometimes Jay will do stuff 
that is so distinctly him that I can't – I often tell him, you got to find more of that. Get rid of the other shit. That stuff that no one had that experience except for you. That stuff is like <laughs> – like he told a joke that made me laugh so hard. I go, why aren't there more of that in your act? Like he goes uh, – the joke was – um. <laughs> Ah, yeah, it's tough, man. My cat's pregnant. Uh, we don't, we can't, we're not ready for kittens. You know how hard it is to push a cat down a flight of stairs. <laughs> <laughs> and you just like, that is like funny. he just is so like, it's so authentically him. And and I remember one time someone said that to me. You have stuff that's so authentically you, but it's so hard when it's you to find that. And and sometimes there's the thing with, that's great about all clubs is that. There is a, I think there's a, a softer place to bounce off of the ground sometimes. People definitely bomb, but it, oh, yeah. it's hard to like, it's hard to, it, it, it not, it's not, it's, you bomb everywhere, but like there is a welcomingness. And so you get people that really do fucking do something different. And sometimes it's just like anything else, it swings to the other extreme where I remember when I first moved to LA, I was, uh, I remember, I forget where I was performing, but it was, oh, it was one of the first shows I had done, like, in the melt in the nerd melt room showroom at meltdown and that's wow. a great that's a really yeah. fantastic room and the one of the first times i was on stage there was these two people up front that like totally reminded me of my favorite movie of all time is the never ending story right yeah and um when atreyu has to pass through He's trying to go see the Southern Oracle, and he has to pass through the Sphinx, yeah. those two big statues. And if there's any self-doubt inside of a man's or a person's heart when they try to pass through the, the Sphinx, the, the Sphinxes, or however you say it, plural, like they'll just open their eyes and zap you dead. Yeah. You have to just believe in yourself. And I remember sitting there, and the uh, first joke I said wasn't, didn't go great. Like how I opened, I don't know how I opened. And then I just looked at these two guys who were just kind of like judging me. And I was in my mind, I was like, you're the Sphinx, motherfuckers. Yeah. You're the Sphinx. And guess what? You'd be up here if you could. Yeah. And then I just kind of, and then it was fine. But it was like, there's that judgment there too sometimes in like these, uh, in some alt rooms, every once in a while, some of the people will show up and just be like, oh, I could someone explain that to me as far as LA crowds sometimes it's like everybody in the audience thinks they could be doing what you do. Uh dude that happens that happens in every fucking in the improv. Yeah. I remember my wife's old best friend said I, I invited them all down to come see me do the improv but I was hosting but I was still doing stand up. Yeah. I had to do 10 minutes at the front. But yeah. I hosted uh, the hardest job of all. Yeah. And she was like um She's like, yeah, I've done like regular spots here. Call me when you do a regular spot because that's what I want to see. Oh, shit. Those are the real spots. And I went, oh, you don't know a fucking thing. Like I was like, you you think you're as good as me. Like I'm doing this professionally. You still have a job. I'm doing this professionally. And you really just slighted me because you did one open mic here. And I saw the tape of you doing the open mic. You fucking hack. Oh. Like, And I was like, I, I literally – very shortly thereafter told my wife she had to make a decision if she's going to remain friends with her or be my friend be my 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 girlfriend and my wife chose me but this one i mean that and and there are people that have done open mics that go i do comedy and you're like do you some people just don't get it and they're not born for this life because when you say that to someone who's hosting at the improv right like and they don't first of all there's a couple problems first of all they don't know what the fuck they're saying 
uh, in general. They're a total idiot. Uh, when it comes to stand-up, they don't have the innate sense to survive in stand-up, I don't think. Yeah. And also, it's like you've got the – it's the improv. You're hosting at the improv. If you hearken back to like old entertainment, hosting was the gig. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it still is in England. Still, yeah. And it's still – and it's like – and it's the fucking improv – and for and you don't know how to talk to people as a person first and uh, lastly you're just not being a good person. She was she was a horrible person. So I think your your, your wife clearly made the right choice oh, in this no situation. Idea. This woman was a fucking <laughs> mess. She was a fucking mess. Yeah, it's this. Uh, it's it's a I, I say it's a, a, a fraternity only because that's the only word I'm familiar with that has that feeling. Uh, it's a club, I guess, but like it is like you, you got to earn your way into it, and it's. I remember my wife said something. I did some. I got picked up for a TV show or whatever, whatever. Something you know in the industry, and I was like, uh, "She's like, you must feel really proud." And I can tell you where we were at driving on the road, and I was like, "I'm more proud of being a stand-up comic than I am of anything." Because you can't, you can't just, you got to earn it. You can't just be like, "Oh, I'm a comic." A lot of people think they can say that, but but like, I I got a short list of people like. I remember uh, this is like bragging, but it's, it means a lot to me. And it, I think you'll get how much it means without people hearing name drop. But I did Doug Loves Movies one time with Patton Oswald, And I was like, dude, I have to tell you, I'm a big fan. He goes, I know you are. And I went, oh, that is very special. Yeah. That one of the best comics, one of the, I'll say one of the best comics of our generation because I think he's that fucking talented. Easily, easily the best writer like his books and his articles that he's writing these days are fucking phenomenal. I was it's, like, it's unbelievable. I, cause I think, uh, I think you even, I think I read it because you posted it the, uh, the other day at the airport where you the so thing sobbing about like, uh, the job or the year. Yeah. And, um, and it's, it's amazing. I mean, and like, I think it was years ago. I read this book called, uh, I read, two books or I read a couple books all at the same time when I first really started getting into reading which was like 10 years ago yeah it was sadly I mean I'm 40 now but it's like I read The Easy Way to Stop Smoking which really helped me break free yeah you know and then I read The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield uh, is that the silver book or uh, I don't know if it's silver or not it's white or it's it's like really easy short easy to read John again is the one who turned me on to hold it hold on is it and my um, is it? Hang on one second. This is a book. It's the guy who wrote Bagger Vance. Strangely, I think is the guy who wrote it about breaking through the creative blocks. Talks about the resistance. This book. Yes, that's it. This is the best fucking book. That's in the, the world. best book. Yeah. This is the best fucking yeah. book in the world. My buddy Croy, who oddly enough, you remind me so much of, so much is fucking eerie. But um, this book, there's a thing about the muse. Oh, dude, I've got that. The invoking the muse, invoking the muse. Oh, yeah. goddess. Yeah, like I've got that written down um, uh, right on my wall above my desk. This is uh, just so you guys know. It's called the War of Art. With Stephen Pressfield wrote it, and it is one of the best fucking and you can, books. After you read it, you can open up to any page. Dude, the definition of a hack. Oh my god, definition of a hack. It. It made me feel so good about what I was doing and failing. Like when I first came out to LA, what was very, what was selling very well was uh, fun boy comedy. Like uh, you know what's cool to do? Like uh, go up to your buddy, right, 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 prank him, like, <laughs> and then be like, what the fuck, faggot, like that. Like and yeah, I was yeah. like, I just was not doing that, and I was, but I, I had had a kid, 
and I was like, and I was out of like, I was still a fucking bro comic at heart, but I was like, I was like, I think I need to be telling stories. Like I want to talk more. I want to have say something meaningful. I don't want to write like nine. And it was just because I did Last Comic Standing and everyone had the same fucking jokes. And I was like, whoa. So we've all been pulled over by the cops. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We've all had a one night stand. Like, and so that book, that that one article, that one thing fucking changed the way I look at everything. Dude, that book, when I read that book, it was 2008. I'll never forget because I had my first long-term relationship with this woman. We lived together. I thought I was done. Yeah. Uh, we break up. I move into a buddy's house or like apartment, spare room, and I'm just like, I'm at the bottom. I'm just miserable. I like, I was pretty much just transitioning to full-time road work at the time. Yeah. And, uh, and I was just like, oh man, like what, I guess I'm just going to do this now. I'm just going to, everything is about my life, my job, my career now. Fuck the rest. Yeah. And so then I read, I don't, and then I worked with John again. Uh, I'm trying to remember who was headlining because I was MCing. Jonathan was featuring. Uh, he was trying to make a half hour tape for Comedy Central, and then uh, who the fuck was headlining? I can't remember. Anyway, um, so he tells me about this book. So I get the book, and then like a week later, I've read it like in- immediately. I just couldn't put it down. And then I took like a few days because it calls you out. That's what yeah. I loved about that book. It called me out. It made me call myself out. Like if you're not doing what you love. Like I, I had that conversation with myself. Am I doing stand-up comedy because I love stand-up comedy or am I doing stand-up comedy because I think people will think I'm cool because I do stand-up comedy? Am I doing it for the right reason? Am I going to dedicate the rest of my fucking life to this? And, and if so, why are you not working, you goddamn coward, right? Wow. So I was like, give yourself a few days and whatever answer you come to, accept it and embrace it because – don't be miserable pursuing stand-up comedy the rest of your life if it's not what you really want to do. Yeah. And if it is what you really want to do, start working, you piece of shit, right? Because I was the guy who was like, I write when I'm inspired. But then there's that quote in the book <laughs> where it says, and I'm inspired every morning at 9 a.m. There's yeah. that quote from the, uh, the one author in there. And so then after that, I started. And then after a few days, I realized, you know what? I really want to do stand-up comedy. I'd been through like a lot at that point, like where I transitioned back uh, – when I was a kid, I wanted to be a priest for years. Really? Yeah. Uh, and then, um, but I didn't want to be a priest. I wanted to be on stage. <laughs> I was about to say, was it for the stage time? Yeah. My mom tells a story where she's like, my, my brother and I shared a room our whole lives. My older brother, he's about 16 months older than me. And one night she was walking down the hallway in our little house in Dayton, Ohio. And he says, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, when I grow up, I want to be a priest. And I must've been, I don't know, eight years old. And he goes, why would you want to be a priest? And I said to him, I just see myself up there on that stage and I tell everyone, Mass is ended, go in peace to love and serve the Lord and they all have to listen to me. Yeah. Because I think even as a kid, I knew, I mean, can you imagine being a stand-up comic and having an audience that thought the, uh, you know, the future of their eternal soul rested on paying attention to your set? That's a captive fucking audience. God you know damn what I mean, it, man? I should have been a fucking priest, right? <laughs> like they have to hang on every oh, word because I would have murdered. In- <laughs> I would murder as a fucking priest. Right? All you got to do is just, just like, oh, I bet I could. Oh, you just have fuck, to be a little genius. bit funny to be a killer as a priest. That's a really fucking. That's a fucking really deep thought. 
you know, because now all I can think is like I was I was writing my new hour and and uh, like my best story is I curse a lot. That's my problem is I think I'm writing clean and then someone's like you're not clean at all. You know that right? You're calling your daughter a dickhead like and so um. But I was like, I was like, maybe I'll do my next special in a church. Like, run out of church for a Sunday morning, do a call in sick to work show at a church, and I'll just go in and I'll do my, I'll have like a white suit on, and I'll do, and I'll, and but that would, you know, what would be really cool is if you could get like an old church and have comic comics do their sets at the front and everyone's in their pews, but it be sermon esque, yeah, like it be. I bet there are so many comics that would move the fuck out of you. Maybe, and the sermons don't have to be, they don't have to be religious based, just thematic based. Today, we're talking about smoking and why you should quit or whatever it is. Yeah. Like almost like, I guess now I'm talking about Kyle Caesar's career as he just went into <laughs> doing that. But but yeah, that that's so fucking fascinating. There's actually, there's a place um, that I'm looking into. It's a actual physical look. It's um, I'm trying to think if it's the Theosophical Society's building. Um, I'm really like I'm really into uh, uh, the idea of these like secret esoteric societies right now too. Yeah. Like the last like year, I've gotten real into um, like trying to research and find information about like the Rosicrucians or like the Knights Templar, Freemasons, and you know the Skull and Bones, all these people, right? And there's this group called the Theosophical Society, which is uh, based on this guy Manly P. Hall, who was this guy who was. He knew all of the esoteric, hidden, ancient knowledge, you know, and it's like he talks about Atlantis and shit and how Atlantis was real and the great flood stories, how every culture around the world has these great flood stories and you can kind of tie it and ties into Graham Hancock stuff and all this stuff. Right. And um, there's a church room where they do talks. I think it's off Gramercy um, or it's uh, it's like up in the Hollywood Hills somewhere. And the pictures look when I saw the pictures of this place, I was like, comedy show. Stained glass windows. Oh, how you know what I mean? It probably holds be? maybe 120 people, oh. which would be perfect. And with the legalization of marijuana, oh my God. just to Are be you in one of those me? places high as fuck. Oh, yeah. Oh, that would be fucking right? magical. Yeah, it would be really cool. You have to do that. It'd be really cool. The, uh, I mean, uh, Stelling's already got church, the, the show they run at UCB on Sundays, so we'd have to call it something else. Um, but like if it was to be like a, a show like you said, cause I like the thematic idea too of having like a once a month, a thematic show, it's just to ha- allow, uh, allow the comics, the opportunity to preach, you mm-hmm. know, like to give a theme and you can, you know, I would love to give a, like the, I mean the passion we brought to the nicotine. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if you did one, this show is about nicotine. Yeah. Oh, it would be, and you could have, I mean, I would pay money. I'd legit pay money to see Marin preach about nicotine. Yeah. Because you know he could get it and let Rogan in there. Have Rogan preach about nicotine, the positives of it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just have these opposing views. Oh, that would be so fucking be badass. Really fun. That would be really fun. What we have to do is murder Beth and then murder just Beth. take her idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we could do a show about the pros and cons of why we had to murder Beth. It's insane, it's insane <laughs> that, that there are people that go – that. that murder does come into their thing like we just got to kill this person yeah life would be so much easier and you're like what but uh that's fucking uh, you got you have to do that there's well because i'm trying to film my own special this year and i was trying to i'm thinking black box theater to where i kind of make it like this little tiny magical place not necessarily tiny but um trying to i'm trying to figure out because the problem it's not a problem but like i've been doing my paranormal podcast the thing with shane and 
came on and like after the Shane ones, I think it re- people started listening a little bit, but um, because those episodes were so crazy, yeah, and um, and then I've just like it's it's amazing how we don't realize it. I'd be interested to know what you think about this because to me, because I used to ask Mark this all the time because I started opening for him right at the beginning of WTF, yeah. so I saw like this. I was in this like unique position to where I just saw this whole thing just explode. Yeah. pretty much in the audience, right? And um, where it went from a few people wearing WTF shirts to now there's an hour and 15 minute long line of people who've made cupcakes with his cat's faces on them yeah. waiting to just say hi as they tremble. Mm-hmm. And then, but it's like, but like, especially with your podcast too, like the influence it has on you as a stand-up comic. That's why I think a lot of people aren't, I don't think we're talking about this that much, but it's like, because I know I've been doing mine for three years now, just about all paranormal stuff, and talking to people with abilities or experiences. It's like, this has influenced my stand-up. Like, it's like now all I'm talking about on stage is singularity, how I think we're robots. Um, This is all a simulation. Uh, All the crystals I have, the, the, uh, the magic stuff I've been trying to get into. And so it's like, it's, like I don't know. Like, can you say that your podcast has changed your oh, act oh, like so much whole, into storytelling now? Just being on the first podcast I did has changed the way I do stand up entirely. Like entirely to the fact where it's like sometimes I feel a little hacky if I do something on a podcast and then it works and I and then people respond to it and then I take it on stage because I go people are like. Dude, at the end of every one of my shows, the last 12 minutes, because they know that that's how long a story takes to tell, it is just people yelling out, Tracy Morgan, flying dildos, peeing on the dining room table, uh, working out at Barnes & Noble. And it's just stories that like, that like, that you, that are just, and it, it changed my relationship with the, I'd say fans. I don't, I, I wouldn't say I have fans like Marin has fans, you know, those are fans, like, uh, like, you know, but it changed my relationship with the fact that they're like, like people are like, uh, oh, I have an Isla. Like, cause I'm, Isla, my youngest is very unique child, just different, uh, some learning disabilities, dyslexic, but fucking weird. Like, uh, this morning, she, this is a perfect example of Isla this morning. She got in bed we were redoing the house so like there's only one place to watch tv right now it's in my bedroom and we just put blackout curtains in there and it's it's like a fucking cave and i love it so i turn on scooby-doo we're watching scooby-doo together in the morning she's having her breakfast and then my wife comes in she's like i love baby we're running late for school you got to go and i start laughing at her i go you're going to school and i got nothing to do all day (laughs) and and i go i'm gonna i'm gonna finish watching (laughs) scooby-doo she gets up out of the bed takes the remote control turns it off throws it in the corner of the room on the dog bed, opens the blackout curtains, turns on all the lights, and she goes, justice, and walks out. <laughs> and I'm like, that is a weird... Now, my oldest would never do that. My oldest yeah, yeah. is very, like, oh, just so doting. But, like, but like, so then people want to hear Isla stories. And so, and I always... There's always a good Isla story. And then, pe- like, I don't know. It just is... it. You know, it's, it's like, even, like, the Tom is fat, Bird is fat war that's going on. That is, like... I mean, like the crit like people are coming up with like dietary advices and like they're like they really did pick a team yeah it's like amazing it's it's but podcasting is like the coolest thing 
I was in a meeting, uh, a general meeting at a, a network yesterday, and um, I said something. They were talking about uh, they were talking about who their fan base is, and they're like, you know, our, our fan base is uh, men. 21 to 18 to 35 18 to 40 whatever um who live out just outside cities rural men and i went oh yeah that's that's podcasting fans that's like and inner and cities but for the most part it's anyone's got a little bit of a drive into work you know that's who our fans are and they were like yeah and and then i thought oh you don't know anything about them i meet them all i meet them every week oh i know your fans i know your fans oh that's so funny and then i was like how how interesting that you'd run a network, you'd program a network, you'd you'd develop for a network without ever actually meeting, like meeting the people who you're making product for. I meet them. They tell me what they don't fucking like. Like I did a long-winded intro to my podcast last week that was a uh, character based. <laughs> it was Paul Revere and another guy having a conversation. I was just like, I want people to listen to my ads. So I just did it that way. And I got feedback. I got definite fucking feedback. Yeah, yeah. Like you get feedback and like – I wasn't know, even asking for it. It's so cool when you like – and I'll say Shane's probably the most successful of this for my podcast. But when you meet someone like Shane who you have on like three or four times and you and then you have legit fans going of, – of yours that you share that are going to his shows and then replying about what they – why they liked it. You know, it's so – you know, it's so interesting that, that the network paradigm still exists – when you don't like, how can you be the president of say? Let's just make up a network. Like, of I'm trying to think of like someone that would be like the president of a network that would program to who we talk to, and not know them. Like, not actually. It seems so bizarre. Like, yeah. Marin knows his like knows them. He knows what they dress like, what they smell like. Yeah. He knows what they like to cook. And it's amazing. Like, I think he's a deep level empath. And like I don't know if you're into like into in, like an empath is someone who like just instinctually can read you like as far as emotions. Oh and yeah, stuff, yeah, right? yeah. And it's uh, some people will say it's intuitive uh, in this world of like this new age quote unquote new age world. It's like oh I'm highly intuitive. I read card. A lot of these people do tarot readings, tarot card readings, and stuff like that, or they're psychics or things like that. And I tell them I'm like dude, you're a fucking empath, man, because you can walk in. And immediately on stage, I think any good comic, I mean, you definitely have to have a level of empath. I mean, like you as well. Like there's there's empathy. You're, you're intuitive. It's, it yeah. comes – you know, we call it – we have different names for it in comedy. Like, oh, you got great timing. You got yeah. good instincts. Yeah. Oh, you know when to back off someone and you know when to throw them the fuck out. Or t- I used and, to be able to tell you what kind of car people drove. See, I mean, you're probably like a high-level intuitive. I, I mean, it was like freaky. I used to call out. Um, I, I say this nonstop when I do it, and I do it a lot. I go, I should work at a fucking fair. Like to go, I you you could just read people so quickly. Yeah, no, that's um, not everybody can do that. Uh, and um, Ian Bag's amazing at it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's great at it. Yeah, and um, but it's like. But we take it for granted, and we think it's this thing. It's a, it's a skill you develop too. Yeah. But I mean, like when it comes to like all that stuff, I don't believe. And when I say all that stuff, I mean when it comes to like I don't want to say ESP, but I would uh, extrasensory perception um, or in, intuition or being an empath. Sometimes people who are too much of an empath, they don't realize it. They absorb everybody's shit. And now they are feeling depressed. They are feeling other people's depression, like on another person's behalf, without even realizing it. Uh, and that's why I think the explosion of yoga and meditation has 
been so profound in the last 10 years. I believe it helps you build this. your bubble. I believe in I believe in I believe in whatever it is. I don't know if it's ESP. I believe in that legit since I was a child. I remember one time my dad uh had to go to the office early in the morning and it was a Saturday morning and I I drew a bag with a pair of boxing gloves hanging out of them. And I swear to God, my dad brought home boxing gloves. My dad would never buy box. It was like the weirdest purchase. And my dad just brought, and I went, I called it. The other day I went hiking with my sisters, my sister and her fiance and her husband. Uh, random as fuck. And I said, I bet I see Kimberly Congdon here. I just said this to my head. I go, I, I bet I see Kimberly Congdon. I just thought that it would be a place where I'd run into her. She comes on a horseback ride with her mother, and she's like, Bert? And I was like, I knew I'd see you. I fucking knew it. Like, <laughs> I believe in that. I believe, but you, I believe you got to be open to it. Yeah. It and sounds you like, be, yeah, you got precognition happening. I get, I believe in, I believe in the mystical. I believe yeah. in the, I believe in miracles. I believe in magic. I believe in all that shit. Like, that's why I, magicians freak me out. Cause I believe they're, the, I believe that I believe a little bigger than that sometimes. Like, I go, don't fuck me up with a card trick. I believe in the real shit. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, there's like, I mean, and I think when it comes to like, we were talking about a little bit earlier, like this esoteric, this hidden knowledge, like, and like occult just means hidden. You know, it's yeah. like, it's got such a negative, weird connotation of like, oh, Satan worshipers and shit. No, it just means hidden. You know, it's like this, there's, there's these truths out there that I believe that aren't necessarily conspiratorially being held from us, but they're not being you know if you if you just look hard enough you can find this stuff but the when it comes to precognition or clairvoyance and all this kind of stuff this shit is happening and we get tuned out of it because it doesn't the more in tune you are with your body and your intuition and all this kind of shit the less stuff you need to buy to be distracted from yourself yeah. you know what i mean like it's not pro consumer as far it's like being really in touch with all this stuff isn't a big money spending uh lifestyle i don't think so there's there's definitely benefits and you know there's a negative side to it i guess when it comes to like trying to keep a society moving forward in certain people's perceptions so they they are invested in keeping people away from clearing the third eye if you want to say that you yeah know, and blasting it open putting it giving you a fucking cell phone so your face is always here exactly it's 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 about like you know, <laughs> there the new clairvoyance is that you google a pair of nike sbs size 13 and then when you go on facebook the ads over to the right you're like hey i was just yeah. thinking about that dude i've been saying like this is maybe before I realized that stuff was happening, but I was like, not only is the internet a thing, but the internet's now alive. Oh, yeah. And not only is it alive, but dude, I swear to fucking God, the internet can hear us. <laughs> it can hear, like, you don't even have to Google search those size 13 New Balance anymore. You can just fucking talk about them. And yeah. it's like so fucking creepy. Like, the idea that this is what I'm really fucking crazy about right now. And I got to, th Elon Musk and his brother have a rule where it's, they can't talk about, uh, they can't talk about computer simulation in the hot tub. Apparently someone told me this. I don't know if it's true, but to me, it's really funny. Like where they can't talk about how all this is a computer simulation in the hot tub. Cause that means they're trying to hook up with women and women don't, when women are trying to decide if they want to hook up with you, they don't want to hear about how they're a robot, right? Yeah. So, uh, but they to me, it's like, well, you're a robot. Nothing matters. Fuck yeah. Yeah. You know? But like the idea that we could be robots that because, you know, you got Stephen Hawking saying that singularity is a bad thing, right? And 2035 is the singularity year. 
2035. This is like 20 years from now. Uh, that's the early side. They say 2045. There's this guy, Ray Kurzweil. I think that's how you say his name. He's like the quote-unquote expert on the singularity. The- this is going to turn into me in a fucking hotel room in Indianapolis this weekend, cutting my stomach open to see if there's fucking <laughs> – there's there's computer parts in it. There is, though. Jesus. Dude, I was in Chicago, and there was a radi- there was two radiologists sitting right up front, and I was like talking about this stuff. I was like, dude, we're the robots we've been scared of this whole time. We are the Terminators. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like uh, potentially. I mean we could be robots that are waking up and realizing we've been robots that are enslaved by something else. And I was like, imagine – and I was like, tell me, are there zeros and ones? You've seen inside blood, the tiniest part of people. I was like, tell me, are there zeros and ones down there? And the radiologist goes, no. But I will tell you this, something very interesting that we do see in blood at the tiniest level, so much electricity. And I looked at him, I go, you know what else runs on electricity? My fucking microwave, bro. My vacuum cleaner, my TV, every computer robot thing alive runs. An electrical charge from our brain is what sends a message you know, to our muscles. That's how we wake up every morning, is yeah. through an electrical pulse. It's like we run on electricity. We're fucking robots. I mean, that doesn't mean that electricity isn't life force. It could be the same. You know, it's the same it thing. Makes me wanna, it makes me want to rebel and get out of the – and do something against the norm because there is like a, a bit of programming that goes on with consumerism and, 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 and social media. There's this – programming that happens where i go into the i get into the stream and i start swimming with all the fish makes me want to go i'm getting off the fucking grid yeah i'm getting off the grid and I, I mean, i'm talking to my wife about that we just i mean our house will be done next weekend and i, I, I so badly want to sell it and just move i'm hyper obsessed about those uh what are those like the those half circle uh th- like homes you can make that are all like self-sustaining there's yeah. a, there's a oh what documentary I can't believe I can't remember. There's this guy out in the desert somewhere in like Arizona or somewhere who makes all these like self-sustaining homes. And he's like this crazy architect guy. And uh, I think it's in Texas. And um, like everything just kind of feeds itself. And it's got like a garden thing inside the house. Yeah. Like in the living room. But it's made from old tires. Like the foundation is from old tires and like bottles. And everything's like shit that can't degrade. Yeah. Um, and he uses those to build a self-sustaining like ecosystem inside your own house. It's pretty fucking cool. And allegedly, it stays at se- if built properly, it stays at like seventy-one degrees, regardless of where it is. My wife needs that. <laughs> like My wife's that's... skin would look perfect. <laughs> like <laughs> she's. It's so funny. Her body is set up to live in the south because she's a redneck. So like she comes out. When we live in out here, her skin's always like uh, – it always just looks like dry, always dry. But when you take her to the south, she, like it like – She lights up? Lights up. I would love to – I don't know, man. I, I don't think I have the balls to be enough of an individual to get off of the grid or to not do things like smoke cigars. Or like like I I wonder sometimes if um, if drinking is diminishing me to a point that I'm, I'm, I'm getting away from my – my instinctual ESPA clairvoyance. And like, if I stop, I, mean, I remember one time I hadn't drank in a long time in college and I was fucking firing hot. And I was like, and I think it might've been a little bit, I also have a very hyperactive thyroid. So like, <laughs> I think it might've been something like that, but I remember going like, this is my fucking source energy. Like I'm fucking here. And then you get so excited. You're like, I'm drinking tonight. And then yeah. it just disappears. And you're like, Oh, I'm hungover. What do you guys want to get? McDonald's? Okay. Yeah. Oh, you guys want to take naps? Those footballs on today? And it's just this 
as opposed to doing what my real individual should be doing. I don't know. What well, is fascinating? I mean, I think every once in a while, I mean, it's impossible to, to like, I think for anyone to, I, I could, I could. In see the middle it. of that sentence, I went, my Xanax is ready at CVS. I literally thought that. I went, oh, I have a full prescription of Xanax at CVS. Let's kill that source energy so I don't stay up all night fucking setting booby traps around my house. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, I, I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. It seems like they're, like when we were talking about, because I don't have any, I don't have limitations. Like boundaries. Yeah. Limitations. I've always struggled that on like first dates. Like I've had first dates. Like I haven't, I've had a million more first dates than I've had second dates. <laughs> You know Why? what I mean? Because okay, this is um, this is like how a first date goes for me, and I'm trying to be better about it now that I'm older and I realize okay, you sound crazy to people because we'll be talking and be like, oh, so what's like, uh, this is what I do, this is what you do, uh, so what's the craziest thing? Oh, dude, um, you want to hear something really crazy? <laughs> and they'll be like, sure, and I'll be like, oh, be like. 12 years ago, I dated a woman who could shapeshift, you know, it was like crazy, you know, and they'll be like, what? And I'll be like, oh, I thought I had a lizard that lived in my brain. And they're just like, oh, fuck. Like, I don't, I'm still remembering your name, bro. But in that rare case where you meet someone else who was boundaryless, life is also a Sam's Club. Boundaryless. They're, They're just like. Oh, you got a lizard in your brain? I used to do. I used to be a sex worker, and I'm like, oh, yeah. we're gonna fucking get along. You know what I mean? Like, we have no shame. Yeah. You know, and then it's like, but normal people, especially people outside of the entertainment industry or comics or whatever, if yeah. I like, they're not used to like this disclosure, like yeah. immediately. And a friend, I told a friend, I'm like, well, they're gonna find this shit out eventually. Like, it's such a big. Some of these things are such a big part of my life, even though I know they make me sound insane. That it's like I came out of the attic about that stuff though, so I don't care, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's got repercussions, but it's like who cares? I mean, because more and more people are coming out. I that's you know coming out of the attic about being clairvoyant or you know uh, believing that they're tapped into source or ESP. Because it sounds like you were also doing some like remote viewing shit when you're talking about the boxing gloves. Yeah. It's like you're remote viewing into the future, and then I've been able to do that. My, I've been able to do that my whole life. With things, I also do other. I like I, but there. I don't know if it. I don't know what it is, but like, um, I have a. I have, this is gonna sound really crazy, but but if I uh, roll dice, I can figure out my future. Like if I go, wait, wait a second. You've got like how many dice? I have dice everywhere. I keep. Dice no, I mean, everywhere. like, are you doing like two a dice. Yahtzee set or two, okay, two, two dice? Two, okay, two dice, and I can, I can, I can kind of predict the future. Like I can. Almost to the point where sometimes I won't do it if I want the future to turn out good because I go, I don't want to know that I just made it bad with the dice roll. And, but, I, but the first uh, – this is going to – And sound- this is di- – just to be clear, this is different than I'm going to flip a coin to see what I should do. No. This is different than that. So, this is, so when I, my first time out in L.A., I was at, uh, I was at the, uh, the Riot House, the Hyatt, Hyatt on Sunset. I was staying there, and uh, I was – testing for a tv show and there were a pair of dice sitting in the room and i was like that's odd and i was getting ready to go out and i was like i wonder wonder why they leave dice in here and i grabbed them and i said very quickly i go i wonder if these dice can tell me the future sixes if they can and it rolled sixes (laughs) oh my god and i went wow so i picked them up and i said well i get this tv show and i rolled them and it was sixes and i went really and I said, that's interesting. Is this TV show going to hurt me from getting the deal at Fox? And I rolled them, 
and it wasn't sixes. I went, okay. And then I picked them up. I said, will I get the deal at Fox? And I rolled them, and it was sixes. I got the TV show. I got the deal. The deals were overlapping. It was really kind of unheard of to have a deal at two different places at the time. And I went, fuck. So then I started doing that with dice. I would, when I'd see dice, I'd go, oh, do they want to talk to me? And I'd grab them, and I'd say, um, little, the, the, I'd, I'd do the simplest things to find the truth out, to see if, like, the simplest things sometimes. Um, is this plane going to crash? Roll them. No sixes. Okay, the plane didn't crash. Um, will I be getting drunk at the airport? Sixes. I'm like, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Now, now that's also like, like obviously, I'm gonna get drunk. At, I know I'm getting drunk at the airport. But so dice. I I have dice everywhere. I have dice. There, I, there's things that like if you go around my, especially around my man cave, that you see that you go, you go. There's a lot of like certain things. Like I have a lot of knives everywhere. Um, I have a lot of owls everywhere and dice, but like, I'm very Tito's vodka, (laughs) but I'm very weird about that. Like, I definitely believe in that. And I believed it when I was a kid, I believed it, uh, spitting on cracks. Oh, okay. Like I'll spit on, like I'll spit. And if it lands on a crack, it's, I can ask myself a question, yes or no. And if it lands on a crack, then that answer the question for me. But like those kind of things, I think those are also like. A little OCD stuff, but but they've always worked out exactly right for me. But there's also something here that seems to be like harken back to like ancient mysticism, like the roots of mysticism, which yeah. is just trying to find like what are we, who are we, why are we, and why is this even this? And like searching for answers, trying to search for identity. Because if you think about – like if you go back and think about we were just these animals that someday eventually just kind of fucking woke up. Yeah. And like consciousness and then, you know, how they've discovered, scientists have discovered it's not confined to our brain. Consciousness is in your entire body. And there's like a neural network of memory that's stored in your heart. So when people say, oh, you broke my heart or like you're in my heart, like we, we have instinctually been saying this stuff for, you know, years. Yeah. And it turns out that science has proven that in fact, yes, like you can't have memory, a fond memory of someone stored in your heart. Like oh, yeah. just scientific. It's like it's like in like whether it's chakras, but I mean acupuncture is a great example of like they've known this these centers of the body or these points on the body, these energy centers for thousands of years, and now science is finally being like, you know what? Those Chinese were really onto something. It's like yeah, they fucking been telling you that this whole time. Yeah, but you've been a kook. If you're into the holistic stuff, you know, you've been, a, you're a weirdo, but I think that's, that definitely is changing. I think 2012, everybody expected, I was one of them, some crazy shit to happen on 2012. I really did. Yeah. And, but what happened was, I think this is just a theory I'm working on, but 2012 did happen. I mean, we, we passed it, yeah. but like 2012 was a cosmic cataclysmic of some sort, not negative connotations event that happened because all these people woke up to mystical shit now Yeah, because 2012 was even a thing everybody was talking about, which in itself was a success. Yeah. I see Does what that make saying. sense? Yeah. 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 It's almost like, uh, it's in a, in a weird way. It's almost like a, a spiritual daylight savings. Yes. Where you're like, we're like, we all acknowledge something different happened and that 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 that, that's out there just the fact that everybody got on board even talking about how something unknown and mystical and supernatural 
potentially was going to happen. And yeah. we didn't freak out. And this is my one problem with aliens and like movies and stuff. <laughs> my one problem with aliens. It's like, well, I'm, this is my one problem with the way we portray aliens and stuff in movies. Because I'm like so hardcore into disclosure right now. Yeah. Like the government needs to tell us about aliens. And I have to be careful because, you know, there's nothing worse than listening to someone talk about something they believe in when they no longer have a sense of humor about it. Because yeah. they lose all effectiveness in communicating. Because we all know those people. Yeah. They're just preaching at you and stuff. And I have to be careful because sometimes I get this way on disclosure, alien disclosure, because the the, uh, the Podesta emails that got leaked in the WikiLeak thing. Hold on. Where they're, I just heard about this today. Is this Pizzagate? No, this is different. Podesta was in Pizzagate though, right? But yeah, it's him and his brother. Yeah. Okay, the Pizzagate yeah, yeah. thing is crazy. Somebody was just arrest, arrested with an assault rifle, I think this morning, uh, at the uh, ping pong place, which is now it's, it's like it's reaching some real dangerous levels. But Eddie Bravo, Eddie Bravo just tuned, turned me on via a podcast to, I mean, just the, uh, just the smallest, like I've never been, I've, I've always been a conspiracy theory, but my conspiracy theories are the ones that people don't want to hear about. Like I do believe AIDS was com- com- created by the government to kill black people and gays. I do believe that. I do believe that. I, I really believe that. Like I really believe that. And, and you can't say that because that's almost, be- I guess you become racist or something if you say that. I don't know. But like I believe that because I go, look, man, by the, the, it should have slaughtered all a- at least a couple of the white people I know. No one got it. I went to college with I went 180 dudes that I knew that never wore condoms. No one got AIDS. No one got fucking AIDS. No one got AIDS. No one. Like that, to me, I just go, that's not the way this was pitched to us in the 80s. We're all going to get it. That's what I heard. And, and, then, and then he was talking about vaccines. And I was like, it used to be six. Now it's fucking 71 or 19. And, and then you go, oh, there is money to be made. Everyone gets a vaccine. But here's the problem with this, too. Like, um, now if you even bring up vaccines... You're a fucking idiot. Yeah. Now you're an oh, you're gonna talk about vaccines? You're a fucking idiot. But, it's like, whoa, can we have a conversation? Can we have a conversation about it? Because because you go, okay, imagine if you created a product that everyone had to get. Had to get. That's fucking the greatest product in the world. What are you gonna sell it for? I don't know. Let's let's fucking figure out a price point because I'm selling a, a billion a year. Like how, are you shitting me? Because they have to pay it. Somebody has, has to. to pay it. And, and and it's almost like mind control. Look, and I'm not saying that vaccines are. Well, I don't know. Look, my kids got all vaccinated. I got vaccinated. But like, but like, of course, it is just science. It's not perfect. It's just science. And there's are marginal rooms for error in certain things. And then I I was like, I said it to my wife. I'm like, hey, what do you think about vaccines? She goes, oh, it's a fucking racket. And I was like, how come you never said this? She goes, you can't say it out loud. Because you get, you look what happened to Jenny McCarthy. They thought she was fucking crazy. This is the problem. Like, I mean, because, I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not an idiot. At least I'd like to think I'm not an idiot. I'm, and I I'd know, like to think I'm not an idiot. And I know at the, at the bottom of a lot of rabbit holes is a dude trying to sell you a bunker. Yes. Right? Yes. I get that. And I know that whenever there is, because I deal with this a lot, whenever there are people who are willing to believe in something, there's somebody there trying to make money off them, trying to take advantage of that belief. And in the world of paranormal, it's rampant. Yeah. You know, because people are willing to believe. And um, so someone's like, oh, get money out of these fucking, these schlubs, right? Yeah. But when, and some people might react negatively to the, to what I'm about to say, but it doesn't really matter. The The idea that the word truther has negative connotations now yeah. shows you how badly how bad it's gotten when 
because you're a truther if you're if you want answers about nine eleven, and uh, but the fact that truther, someone seeking truth, now is negative. Yeah, shows you like how successful people are in marginalizing people who are willing to ask questions. Because to me, when it comes to nine eleven, I've been like down these rabbit holes and. There's a real funny comedian, Tom Simmons. He's based on... Oh, yeah. He's so great. And he's got a great line about it. He's like, when it comes to 9-11, I believe whatever the last YouTube video I saw is. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's like hard not, you know, because they're they're very persuasive sometimes, but... They're very persuasive. Yeah, but it's like, all they have to do, if the government, if the United States government really wanted to get rid of the whole 9-11 question, all they would have to do, in my opinion, and I could be wrong... You release the videos you seized from local businesses of the plane hitting the Pentagon. It's over. Every conspiracy theorist has to pack their bag yeah. and go home and move on to the, how the earth is flat again, right? It's, it's, it's almost like it's almost like, like you think well, they're in control. Why wouldn't they try to manipulate control over people and go, I'm not going to. Because then they let the crazies be crazy and yeah. the fucking people believe the people are crazy and then they fight amongst each other. And it's just – it's like an inner I, – I, I, I just refuse to believe – like there's people in Africa that believe that if you uh, if you take a shower after sex, you can get rid of AIDS. They believe that. They really believe that. They're, the president of South Africa, I think, I'm, I'm sure I'm incorrect on this, he had sex with a prostitute that had AIDS, and he said, don't worry, I had a shower. And everyone was like, okay, you're fine then. <laughs> and so, but, that, but I know that's crazy. Yeah. But he doesn't. And he's running a country. He doesn't. So then I go, okay, there's got to be more of this what shit else out is there. there. Yeah, what else is there? <laughs> what, what part of me believes in the shower? What what part of me believes in the shower? <laughs> what showers am I using in my life? I, I sat with I sat with two uh, Scientologists one time, and they were like, and they were like, I, I was, I think I was drunk, but I go, you guys believe in aliens and stuff, and they were like, you sound like you're mocking us. I was like, well, a little bit. I go, it is fucking crazy as shit, and they're like, well, hold on, hold on. What do you believe in? I said I'm Christian or Catholic, and they said, "So do you believe that Jesus was killed and and buried and that he rose from the dead?" And I said, "Well, no, I think that's I mean it's more like concept and some way to you know for faith." And do you believe that there were two men, a man and a woman, Adam and Eve, and that they took a bite of an apple by the snake gave her? I said, "No, that's story. That's the way they tell the story." And they go, "Okay, so you're already admitting that there's stuff in your book that that you don't think's true." Per se, even the basis of it. And I said, "Well, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it's but it's the book that I believe in." And they go, "Do you believe in aliens? Do you believe in in all in other sources of life in this universe?" I said, hundred percent." I said, "There has to be. If I'm here, there has to be something out there else." And they go, "Okay." So already at the core of our beliefs, you're in. And I went, oh, "Fuck! <laughs> this is how they get you." And I was like, "Shit!" Because I do believe. I cannot believe. That there's not something else out there. I and we cannot- have evidence. And we already have evidence of it. And um, people are like, there's uh, – people – if you talk about Bigfoot, and I, it, you're, you're a maniac if you believe in Bigfoot. But I would argue if you spend two hours on YouTube, you will find more video evidence of Bigfoot than you will of God. <laughs> You right, like, yeah, and so and, and so. I'm the crazy one because I'm willing to believe that this creature is possible, and it's just a just another. No, like, I believe in the Bermuda yeah. Triangle. 
Yeah, right. I believe in the Bermuda yeah. Triangle. Like I legit believe in the Bermuda Triangle. And and in the email leak, the WikiLeaks thing of Podesta's emails, there was. I emails. wish I knew more who Podesta was and all this. Well, I'll give you the short of it because I, you know, he used to work for Clinton. Yeah. Or Bill Clinton, President Clinton, and then he was on Obama's uh, staff, mm-hmm. and then then he was running the campaign for Hillary. And he was always talking, like putting it out there. Ask Hillary about aliens on the campaign trail. Ask her about aliens. He's like very pro-disclosure about aliens. And so you get the situation where many people thought, and some people still do, think that Obama is going to disclose aliens before he leaves office because he'll win another Nobel Peace Prize. He'll be the man who goes down in history of the the person who let the world know once and for all that we have been working with aliens already and that they exist. You are remembered forever as long as history is possible until the earth explodes at that point. So – um, and, but in Podesta's emails, there's an email between him and Tom DeLong, guy used to be in – or is Blink-182 guy. Uh, and then there's a woman in the Vatican who's looped in because the Vatican has a uh, an alien task be, force. Why did it have to be the Blink-182 guy? I know, right? <laughs> That's why it all starts grumbling at the Blink-182 guy. Blink-182 guy. How did but he even get his email? He's super into disclosure. Yeah. Right? And so uh, – they're emailing about the aliens and like the zero point gravity device that they're not willing to give us because they don't think we're ready to not kill each other with advanced technology. Yet. Yeah. They're like emailing as if it's past tense. Like it's just assumed that everybody in this conversation already knows this yeah. information. It's like, but yet that email, those emails came out on, I think it was the night of the second debate. And I think there was a fly on Hillary's face or something. So everybody was talking about, a fly on Hillary's face. Or no, it was the town hall one with a guy in the red sweater, that Ken guy, Ken Bone yeah, or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. So everybody was memeing about Ken Bone. In the meanwhile, you have what to me is the most important email ever leaked about evidence of alien life form and how we're already working with them. Yeah. Out there to be consumed by the public. No one's talking about it because everybody's reposting memes about a dude in a red sweater who's God. probably a virgin. Yeah. And it's like, it's so crazy to be alive right now, dude. Like, if you would have told me 20 years ago that the 2016 election removed all personality from the thing and, uh, or personal traits, you would have a private businessman who won the nomination for one of the two major political parties. And then the other major political party would be a woman for the first time um, as the nominee. I would have been like, oh, 2016 sounds like we're killing it. We as people yeah. have really figured out that fuck the banks or, or you know fuck the government. An outsider has finally made in and probably spoke to people in a way that made them realize truth about stuff. Yeah. And we've also put that whole glass ceiling shit behind us. Hopefully, yeah. now we've got a woman. But then, but in reality, instead of being like a moment of like ultimate, like a pinnacle of our peacefulness and understanding and our advancement as just creatures. It was the opposite. It was the biggest shit show we've ever seen. I know. Isn't that weird? It's so crazy. Even today, there was uh, Trump, I guess, pulled a contract for a new um, a new f- uh, first – what's the plane they fly in? The fucking, Air Force One. He pulled a contract from Boeing, and it was a lot of money. And he said, no, we don't need that mu- – we don't need to spend that much money. And then it's like, it's like you watch everyone – it's like almost like Venom. 
like like sometimes information become a paralyzing venom because I think people who would have applauded that they get the they it, they received it from a different way and then they start hating Trump for how dare he mm. do that and cut jobs but you're the liberals you should have wanted us to not spend fucking ridiculous frivolous money but then the uh, it's like the same thing I I was this is going to sound like not but this is our way of the, my problem with information right now it's like we were talking one time about the n word me and some people uh liberally we were talking about it uh, about how growing up that would be plugged into a a word another word tagged with another word and then that was a verb so if you did uh n word knocking that was when you'd knock on someone's door and run away ding dong and ditch or uh and uh like it was it, it contract. I don't know what it was. In Southern Ohio, it was the same way because yeah. you'd have N word uh, dash rigged, yeah. meaning like you fix something in a like a, a real haphazard manner. Right. And so we were talking about that, and we're like, uh, and I was like, "There's got to be a website out there that has these that is is mentioning this." And I Google it, and I went, "Oh, I found it!" And it was a list of all of them. And I went, "Oh, thank God!" And I and I started reading them off to the our group of friends. Going, have you ever heard this one? Did you ever hear this one? And like, it started getting a little obscure. I was like, I really have never heard of that. Like, N word rich is a phrase. It means to make money but spend it all. That's what that means in this on this page. And then it was just N wordly, like N wordly, and it's just just typical N word behavior. And I was like, huh. I was like, what is this website? And it was for the Ku Klux Klan. Oh and I was like, motherfucker, I can't even get information. Like, here I am spouting off the fucking propaganda of the Klan to my friends as if it's qualified CNN information. Yeah. I was like, fuck this. And during the election, it was the same way. You go on Facebook and you'd be like, oh, this makes solid points about cops. And then you're like, oh, wait, what is this? This is a, from the NRA. Well, I don't. I can't trust them. Yeah. And then you'd get another, something else. You're like, oh, this is from fucking Jezebel. I can't trust them. Like, I was We're like, going to get to a point where I think, when it, especially with all this fake news shit, yeah. strangely, I wonder, I'm just now thinking of this, but I wonder if it's going to like make newspapers like come come back a little bit because people are like, I can't get my news from the internet anymore because you don't know what's fake. So I have to go to the coffee shop and buy a newspaper. Look, I said this, I said this to my wife. What the, I, okay. I said this to my wife. Don't, there's, don't expect more out of anyone than, than you expect out of yourself. If you look at my wife and you say, how's your day going? She's like, I'm just trying to get through it. I got a lot on my plate. And to be dead honest with you, I don't know where the doorbell's going, but I know we'll get it up today, okay? It's the same as the person that works at the Post. There's no nobility in that. They're fucking getting their asses handed to us. Some, some of them have children with, with, uh, with special needs, and they're having a rough fucking day, and, and, and some of them are going through a breakup or a divorce. Some of them have drinking problems and drug problems. There's no nobility in them inherently simply because they work for the post that makes them some of them love Hillary and hate Donald Trump and would never write anything that would ever be even keeled because that's not who the fuck they are because they feel like white guys have had a good run at it and it's time to take them down and it, it is everyone's got ulterior motives so to say that CNN or 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 fucking or, or anyone at the Washington Post is just great because they're great like that's fucking my cousin works for the Washington Post, oddly enough. My cousin's one of the top journalists in the country. For- oh, I thought you were going to say, my cousin's a real piece of shit. No, no, <laughs> no but he's got his fucking issues. Like, yeah. I know him. Yeah. He's got issues. He's got legit fucking issues. He does. 
Now, I don't know how they represent themselves in sports, <laughs> but but like I don't know. I I feel like I don't know. Man, this is honestly. I, I wish we could do another hour. This is the most seamless conversation I've ever fucking had. Oh well, cool, man. This was fun. We got to do this again. Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, let, I got to have you on mine too and talk about your magical powers, pl- yeah, pl- dude. Let's fucking make it happen. Yeah, we'll make it. Happen. Um, uh, what? Uh, do you have anything to plug? Yeah, let's plug the podcast. Let's. Yeah. Uh, I call it a mindcast. Because uh, I started it right when, like, well, it was like when that patent troll thing was happening. I was like, you know what? I'll call myself instead of calling my, mine a podcast. I'll call it a mindcast, and I won't get sucked into that patent troll. Lawsuit. Yeah. Uh, so it's called Me and Paranormal You, That's and it's on uh, like iTunes and um, and the ones we were talking about, the Shane Moss one, the DMT Couch Sessions. Those are like fifty three, fifty four, fifty five. Those it, are the episodes. They're really fantastic. Yeah. It uh, it. It put you in my queue, like the, like I got that, and then I subscribed. Oh, I and appreciate I, it. Yeah, and, and and like I'm a little like I'm a little I'm a shitty of a podcast listener because like I'll go to ones that I I claim to be fans of, like Tom and Christina's. Like I I, I listen to theirs all the time, but then I looked at it the other day and it was like stop providing feed. Well, the more you the more you create, the harder it is to consume. I think, and yeah. we're all very busy, and I think we all I, we all kind of get that. But like I think if people are interested in like the greatest hits of like the episodes i would suggest the dmt ones with shane and then also listen to the origins which is about 15 minutes where i talk about why i got interested in the paranormal and because it sounds crazy and we can talk about it next time maybe yeah but it's uh, how i dated a woman who could shapeshift i know it sounds insane and i've heard crazy. this before and then um but then episode 76 i actually get to interview her really uh which i never thought would happen so, uh, so you can listen to the origins, which is 15 minutes long. And then you can listen to the interview to see if my memory after 10 years of that experience my matches up with actually, uh, our conversation. Cause I was kind of scared to talk to her because we hadn't seen each other in a long, long time. And then I was like, how much has my mind run away with this? Cause I told the stories a bunch to friends and even on stage sometimes. Yeah. But as you can imagine, audiences are a little like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like oh. you're talking about dating a woman who's changing shape. I, like, I, my, my college girlfriend lived with a woman who had a ghost that protected her. Uh, it was, uh, it was like a, a, a saint, uh, someone, the ghost that protected her and her boyfriend was cheating on her and her boyfriend, I'd been cheating on my girlfriend and her boyfriend and I were in the dorm room by ourselves and we were talking about it, and he said something like, "Are you?" And I said, "Yeah." And he said, "I am too." And I said, I, "And we started talking about it. And it was really interesting." We ended up spending the night in their dorm rooms that night, and in the middle of the night, I heard a fucking kabang, and I get up out of bed, and he's laying on the floor, and his nose is bleeding, and and I was like, "What happened?" And he was like, "Dude, something just hit me in the face." I was sleeping and I got smashed in the face and he had two black eyes the next morning and I and I was like it's her fucking ghost Holy shit, her dude. ghost just cra- her ghost was in the room hearing about us and I was like I'm never sleeping again <laughs> I was like I fucking believe this I am fucking out <laughs> I was like good luck sleeping with her asshole when ghosts start physically affecting the environment like by touching or hitting or things like that that's when I'm like oh yeah. god oh god yeah, like that's what really gets me creeped out, especially if they're a kid ghost too. Like oh. that's like, oh that's... dude, we got I got to do your podcast because I one of my good friends, a guy named Zach Baggins from Ghost Adventures. Oh yeah, and I I went to um I went to uh, Alcatraz and I told Zach I said I don't I'm not doing it for the show, but I want to fucking get crazy. I want something weird to happen. Like tell me what to do. And Zach gave me all this instruction. And so I did it. I disappeared from the group. I had my own fucking moment. I went into solitary confinement. I shut the oh, door. No. Oh, no. No. 
was God. fucking amazing. Oh, oh it was God. fucking amazing. And this is like pitch black. Oh, oh God. Oh, and a fucking red light showed up. A red fucking light showed up. Oh, it's fucking... Oh, it was it was insane. We gotta do this again. Yeah. Dude, this has been a blast. Dude, thanks for having me. Fuck yes. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.